Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? I'm seething, Pat. <laughs> seething. <laughs> Why are you seething, Jerry? Uh, I drafted the dream. I drafted the Vintage Masters Blue Black Storm deck. Uh, like, pack one, pick one, Yogmoth's Will. So I'm like, all right, buckle up. Here we go. Got double tendrils, double brain freeze, bunch of frantic searches, and cloud of fairies. And, like, it was the, like, I got three dark ritual. Like, it was the perfect deck, Pat. And I just was cruising through. And then I finally get to uh, my last opponent, and in game three, he has that stupid card. It's like one in a white, and then it's cycling two, but it has, uh, when you play it, you get shroud until end of turn. (laughs) (laughs) So I like, in in draft, I get up to like tendrils 13. Um, uh, I go to cast it, and he casts that in response. But I saw it coming, because I had addled him, and I had uh, had seen he uh, had had it in a previous game. So I brain freezed him in response, which also would have been lethal. And he had a second one, Pat. He had a second <laughs> of this terrible card that is only good against me. Jerry. <laughs> Just blew me out you and crushed poor, my dreams. Sad sack, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. That is <laughs> it was it was the chosen. It was the chosen one, Pat, and See, it failed. I, I, I when you said that you uh, drafted the dream. I thought you were talking about that red white goblins deck that we drafted on Wednesday. I thought oh, that I was also the dream. did that. <laughs> I've I've done about ten or eleven vintage masters drafts since we recorded Pat. <laughs> Jeez, I've only done that one. I was going to do another one tomorrow, and I'm like, oh man, do I want to do another twenty five ticks on a on a draft? And I'm probably going to pull it. I'm probably pull the trigger, but. Man, you are gotta a, go infinite. You're a monster. <laughs> well, if you go if you go three zero, you get six packs. So that's like two free drafts, right? Oh, there. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, chances of me going three uh, yeah. zero are very slim, but I, but I purposely avoided the storm deck because it's not good. Like right. that's what I've heard. I <laughs> heard it's not good. Like like drafting a storm deck in cube is hard enough. Drafting a storm deck in vintage masters is nearly impossible. And I got the perfect deck and it all folded. <laughs> well, when you tendrils for 12 and then brain freeze for 35, like it, 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 on the same turn, that's kind of insane. Yeah. For a draft deck. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Uh, um, all right. Well. So yeah, I'm seething. I'm seething. <laughs> uh, as always, you know, we want to thank hipsters of the coast for bringing you guys leaving a legacy every Friday to your ears. Uh, you can also find us now on the top deck app. And also if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. We have some awesome rewards, stickers and shout outs and play mats. Uh, mugs are coming along um, and there's more. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. Um, so this week, Jerry, we have an awesome guest on a guest that, that I want you to introduce. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take us away? Hey, everyone, it's Marcus. What's up, Marcus? Hello, I'm going <laughs> to emerge from the shadows. <laughs> Je- Jerry, Jerry, that was that a good intro? Week introduction. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> it's it's our pal Marcus. Flaccid as usual, Jerry. <laughs> uh, Marcus, uh, people may remember uh, from the... Uh, what event was it? Oh, Pittsburgh. Eternal Masters, yeah. G- Eternal Masters. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like GP, SCG, nope. GP Eternal Social Capital that people might remember yes. that one. <laughs> of Pittsburgh, yes. Uh, Marcus has the super sweet uh, five-pointed cube. I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain it. We're going to get into it, but it's, it's super cool. So Marcus, 
what's going on, man? How you been? Hi. Uh, yeah, so I'm Marcus. I uh, love Agro Loam. I love Legacy. Uh, I'm good. I just, actually, I just forever alone uh, Star Wars Episode uh, 8, The Last Jedi. And boy, speaking of flaccid, uh, I have many complaints about <laughs> wow, that Wow, just start with the fighting words already. <laughs> uh, so... Oh man, there's just so many options to go with this. Uh, so yeah, I, I play aggro loam a lot. I'm a level one judge, um, and I hit up a number of GPs in the area when I can drive to them. Awesome. Uh, also, I think now is probably a fair point to let viewers know, uh, Pat. It's it's the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we've worked hard. It's important when you're buying gifts for everyone. You gotta you gotta treat yourself sometime. That's true. Treat yourself. That's true. Uh, so this week's episode is going to be a, a treat yourself episode. Mm-hmm. It's going to be light on the legacy. There's going to be a little bit, but mostly this is just going to be a fun episode where we're just gonna you know shoot the shit and enjoy the end of the year and kick back and relax. Yes, absolutely. Part of what we're going to be talking about is my conspiracy based. Kingdom's variant, Emperor Cube. I'm uh, sorry, uh, Commander Cube. Uh, yes. So, uh, why I'm going to take a moment to explain uh, what that the, word salad just was. Yeah, that word salad. That's a perfect example for it. So, it's uh, first of all, it starts out being strange. It's 406 cards, um, and it was based in Conspiracy One and Two. Although I've replaced uh, a good number of cards with more powerful versions of that card or uh, more archetype-defining cards. So basically what happens is, if you ever played Bang or Werewolf or One Night Ultimate Werewolf or Mafia, um, it is basically making Commander uh, slamming together with uh, Bang or all those other variants of games I've played. So there's a king at the beginning... And everyone else has other secret roles. Uh, every player has a secret role. At the beginning, the king reveals themselves. They always go first, and they start at 50 life. And basically, this is a variant of the game where it's more of like a board game instead of a competitive game of magic. Um, Jerry and I and some other people, uh, Nick Bliss and other people in our room, Dominic, um, sat down and played... Sunday night of Eternal weekend? Yeah, Uh, Sunday night. Uh, So it's like ideally five players? Yeah, it's five to six. If there's a sixth player, uh, you add another role that wasn't added in our game where it's called the Usurper, where, well, it's a lot odder, (laughs) so we'll save that one for last. Essentially, the the king needs to win by being the last person standing. Uh, The knight is one role, and now every other role here is secret. The knight wins only when the king wins. And if the knight kills the king, does the, the final lethal blow to the knight, uh, the knight reveals themselves, and the king sacrifices half of their permanence and goes down to half of their current life total rounded down. Uh, so it's very bad for the king to kill the knight. And then there's basically the rest of the team, or the other team, the other side of the tracks, is the two bandits, and all they want to do is see the king dead by any means possible. So uh, they're kind of on the same team, but they don't necessarily have to win together. And lastly, there's the assassin, which was Jerry's role, which is the hardest role when we, uh, when we played. And um, the, the assassin is the hardest part of the game. Yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. Uh, the assassin has to uh, have everyone dead. And then the king has to die last. Now, the knight can be alive, but it's obviously a little bit harder when the knight is uh, alive because there's a 2v1 at that point. So mm -hmm. it's... Uh, well, actually, Jay, why don't you explain the strategy you took to win this game? Because it's a really archetypical example of how the assassin can win. Uh, so just like show and tell the hardest part no. <laughs> uh, skill intensive uh... <laughs> yeah uh in reality so what i did is when i became the assassin i realized you know not only do i have to kill the king i have to kill everyone in a certain order so you can't just go for opportunity plays where you kick someone while they're down kind of have to be smart about it so i basically just pretended to be the knight i just straight up said hey listen i'm the knight king who was marcus at the time uh you should trust me because i'm a good guy and now, i just i <laughs> now the meta is for this this cube is generally that everyone has to pretend to be the king's knight until like an opportunity arises where the the bandits can reveal themselves and, you know, spring their cunning ploy. Uh, so a lot of hilarity generally ensues when, like, everyone's like, yep, hello, fellow knights of the round table, and everyone's, like, <laughs> pretending to be good when it's clearly there's only one other good person at the table. So, right. One good guy, two dicks, and one super dick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I then so once I convinced the king that I was in fact a knight, well, I then implemented. <laughs> I then implemented phase two of my strategy, which I call blatant McCarthyism, <laughs> and I just started screaming "witch" and "bandit" <laughs> at every opportunity I could, uh, just trying to make my other opponents, you know, look bad and shine negatively. <laughs> Um, and then we ended up killing CJ, uh, or, uh, no, no it was um, Nick, the other Nick, Nick, it was Nick, uh, uh other Nick. Yeah. He, and he had a very aggressive start. He had the conspiracy <laughs> that makes all your creatures cost one less. Uh, if it's the first creature you've cast this turn, but you can't reg instants and sorceries in your library, or at least you can't cast them. Uh, so he had this incredible Edric spy master of trust aggro start. But he never really swung at me. He just caused general mayhem. And eventually we, we sleuthed out that he couldn't be a knight given how crazy his deck was. So I had him uh, – I put a bounty on him and he died. Yeah. <laughs> he, got, he got served right. the king's righteous justice. And that's also something to keep in mind is because the cube is based on Conspiracy 1 and 2 – uh, there's a lot of voting mechanics and like group dynamic play that comes in that comes into effect. So, uh, you know, as the king, you could basically just decide how votes go because you would say uh, whoever votes against me is clearly a bandit. Because what the king wants, my knight wants. And since you're all knights, winky face, that's clearly what should happen. So uh, let's rewind it a little bit back to the drafting portion. So this is. This is a draft as well. It's a cube, right? So it's designed to be drafted. And you know your role uh, before the draft begins. So you can actually draft strategically based off of that. Uh, I played this recently at Next Gen Comics, and a Zach Turgeon was my knight, and he was directly to my right. So he was actually able to wheel me cards that uh, he knew I wanted. Uh, and he specifically, one, stayed out of my colors, and two... Uh, 
I think we overlapped in a color. He specifically gave me color uh, better cards. I think we shared green. So he gave me good green cards, even though he could have taken them himself. Um, there's other options, like Pollyano the High City is a card that says, you, the player to your left and right, name a color, and that land taps for those colors. And so as the king, if you draft it, you can say, hey, I want this to tap for Jess guy. So person to my left, you better say blue, and person to my right, you say red, or I'm going to know. So the game starts even before the actual lands get played, which is an interesting mm-hmm. part of So it's game. like... Yeah, it's like a mini game within the game itself. You start playing before you even sit down. Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, or I should say, firstly, there's a commander pack. So in this commander cube, there's a you, you reg fifty cards, uh, and one of those cards is one of your commanders. And there's um, I have a list of about thirty different legendaries um, that will define your commander deck. Um, so what you do is you draft that pack first. And then you have about five or six, depending on the number of players, uh, commanders to choose from. And then you do your regular old draft. Uh, and then at the end, when you build your deck, you have those five commanders that you drafted in the first round to pick as your potential commanders. Um, and then you can obviously play a game of commander therein, as we've just described. Yeah. So, and it's like five five player commander sometimes six player commander uh everyone has their deck that they've drafted not only around their commander but also their role and each person kind of has their own you know niche that they have to fill uh and i love it just because of all the mind games involved it just brings a whole nother level to magic yeah i mean it's designed to be mind game intensive and that's what i wanted right so for example conspiracy gave us a lot of interesting cards such as um, intellectual offering, choose an opponent, you and that opponent draw three, and then choose an opponent, you and that opponent untap all lands. So that can cause some very interesting plays when when there's rolls. And then there's good old the good old factor fiction for five and zero piles. <laughs> Here, give me a pile of five and a pile of zero. I'll take the five, please, or I know you're a bandit. Uh, and it's funny when that switch happens, when it's mm. like a flip switch. Uh, switch is flipped. Bleh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Then, Like, sometimes, like when I'm over the bandit, sometimes I just blatantly say, all right, I'm the bandit. Whoever the other bandit is should probably start attacking now because I'm going in. And I just drop the ruse. <laughs> <laughs> See... It was left to just uh, me and Nick Bliss versus you, Marcus, because mm-hmm. I, I said that. I'm like, hey, guys, actually, I'm not a knight. I'm actually a bandit this whole time. And Nick is the other bandit. And I convinced Nick that I was a bandit. And not the assassino. And then I, just, <laughs> and then I think we got you to like two or three life. And then I'm like, OK, kill you, Nick. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry's one commander was um, was Heart of the Wild. He's the Naya um, commander in my well, one of the Naya commanders. I think it's Merith, Heart of the Wild. It's basically a uh, it's Naya colored, and it's a uh, equal comes in the counter into play with counters equal to the number of mana you spent on it, and then he has various effects, kind of like Gave, only it's Naya colored, so it has different abilities. So it's like Fireball, and that's the really strong one is that the ability to just like Fireball for six every other turn or so, or like you know seven then nine right. is really strong. Yeah, because it's a commander, it just keeps coming into play with two more casting costs. So it gets two additional counters each time you cast it. And so, yeah, it can make like 1-1 one, one tokens. It can make an, a giant XX token or it can fireball 
all for the low, low cost of <laughs> paying one and then removing counters from it. So yeah, that was that was uh, a fun commander to choose from. So what are uh, what are some memorable moments from the cube you've had so far? Oh great, okay. So uh, we were playing recently uh, at Next Gen again, that same game, and um, Patrick Brady uh, reveals Zergo Helm Smasher as his commander, and it's just like one of those like, oh, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just um, going mono red beat down in a five player commander. Uh, so Zergo Helm Smasher is the Mardu one that's even scary. He's the seven two with haste. Oh, that one, yeah. yeah. And so we're in the thick of it now. He's he's giving everyone the razzle dazzle. He's he's attempting to pretend like he's a knight, like you're supposed to. But, but the problem, King, I'm totally a knight just riding this nuclear bomb. Yeah, exactly. See, that's so you're highly suspicious. His deck is like all one drops, and now unfortunately, I drafted. Uh, so my cube has mostly all one-ups, but there's a few strategically placed uh, multiple cards, such as Cogwork Librarian. That's the card that lets you basically make two draft picks by forfeiting picking the Cogwork Librarian first. Uh, but there's other multiples, such as uh, Sentinel Dispatch. There's actually five of these in the cube. Uh, and it, <laughs> what? At the beginning of your first upkeep, it's a conspiracy. Uh, put a 1-1 colorless construct artifact creature token onto the battlefield with Defender. So the reason why I did this strategically when designing this cube is because I didn't want... I wanted this game to go long-ish. And the way I thought the game kind of broke down is if like a bunch of aggro decks are played and then no one has any fun because you do all this drafting and you only play one game. And um, if someone just like zergs out the king or... Maybe the king and the knight zerg out the other bandits. It's not very fun. So I, I thought it, I felt as though Sentinel Dispatch would be a great way to s- just slow down the aggro decks just enough that even if aggro starts did happen, it would uh, still make it memorable. Now the problem was I drafted four Sentinel Dispatches, uh, <laughs> so I deployed my four uh, at the beginning of the game, and so Zergo Bell Striker looked. Uh, sorry. Zergo Helm Smasher looked a lot worse. Anyways, fast forward, you know, 15 turns later, and um, uh, there's just this big old board wipe happens, and then Pat slams Helm Smasher and cracks me for seven uh, after I put a bounty out on him as the king. I was the king during this game. And um, and then he pretends, or he still claims to be my knight, <laughs> even after... S- <laughs> Wiping the board and then <laughs> and then cracking me for seven commander damage. So that was a notable uh, situation. Uh, another good one is Factor Fiction, the lie detector mode, where if you're in like the middle of the game or like th- that tenuous point where maybe the fl- the the switch has just been flipped and you as the king Factor Fiction an opponent and be like five or zero, what side are you on? <laughs> because you know if you're the Bennett, at that point you you definitely want to pick zero. And then you expose yourself, though, right? So there's that problem mm-hmm. there. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was super fun. I, I really want to draft it again. Where did you get the idea to put this together? Have you seen other cubes like it? So I've seen the Kingdoms variant on a Reddit post, and I did it um, back at a few different stores I used to regular. And it was fun with, like, pre-constructed um, commander decks. But the problem mm-hmm. I saw was that sometimes a really strong deck meant for its role would be unfun. So, for example, if the king 
I have a Zedru, the, the Great Hearted uh, Commander deck. That's Jeskai Control, essentially. Uh, and now it does like a bunch of meme things like gift Tani Waz and gift uh, Pyromaster's Ascension. But essentially, regardless of... Uh, separate from those win cons, it's basically a control deck. And so if you start 10 life ahead, always going first and having a bunch of allies at the beginning of the game, you're going to win every time. So I liked the format, but I didn't like how some decks were naturally better for certain roles. So I, I figured, well, why don't I control that? And that's where the, the idea of a cube came from that was a commander cube. So I slammed mm-hmm. the two ideas together. Plus at the time, Conspiracy 2 had just came out. So it was on the brain. Right. So you basically, you saw Kingdom Commander, which is an established format, and then you'd also saw seen uh, Commander Cubes, and you just kind of melded it together into a, a super game. Yeah, I had never actually seen a Commander Cube before. Um, I'm not saying I invented the idea of a Commander Cube, that would be ridiculous, but uh, I certainly came to the idea, you know, not knowing about other Commander Cubes in the world. So what I made is my own, you know, price nice. product. Uh, actually, I so it's, I actually have it up on cubetutor.com. Uh, we can post the link in the show notes. Uh, you guys can see it. If you want to replicate my cube, that'd be awesome. Uh, I don't care either way. If you want to make changes, obviously, I don't care or suggest changes. Uh, it'd be really cool to see if people did make it, uh, what would happen. I can also publish the commander list. Um, yeah, I was going to say, does Cube Tutor support Commander Cubes it, at all? Or it no? does not. So that would have to be just posted like as a like a, a good old fashioned doc file or whatever text mm-hmm. file. Um, so notables from the commanders are like Doran the Siege Tower because there's a uh, Abzan Big Booty Hose <laughs> is the archetype. <laughs> um, where like you can draft the conspiracy that says assign. Assign damage equal to your toughness, and there's a there's an assault formation in the cube, and there's also the uh, what's it called um, the chariot. Uh, let me think of its name. It is called oh yeah, Warmonger's chariot. Plus two, plus two. As long as it's equipped to a creature with defender, that creature can attack as though it didn't have defender. Good. <laughs> awesome. So. Are you going to make any changes to the cube, or is it kind of oh, yeah. like where it is? Yeah, I actually just made a round of changes um, in preparation for you know this interview and uh, playing it the last time with that, uh, that game with, I mentioned Zach and Pat at NextGen. Um, so, yeah, I found out that blue just wasn't good enough. Uh, I, I, <laughs> so you just cut it entirely from the cube, yep, it's, I yeah, understand. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I got rid of red defenders. From the uh, set, except for Sentinel, uh, Vent Sentinel, because that's like a very interesting defender card. Mm-hmm. But I basically just wanted uh, Abzan to be the um, uh, the, the defender. Yeah, the, the wall. wall. Deck. So I, I cut it, I trimmed it from blue, and I cut it all together from red, except for Vent Sentinel. Um, and I replaced it, which is more interesting, impactful cards like Teferi, Mage of Zelfir is now in the cube, which is like a much stronger card than. What was there before? Um, uh, yeah, just, just quality of life improvements. Because I hadn't really balanced it since I I first made it until when I updated it recently. Oh, I also cut um, a few cards that were just egregious. Um, like Sovereign's Realm is really strong. It's a conspiracy that says 
you have to play every card you you draft, but then you can exile a card from your library to put a land into play, and those lands can tap for any color. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so your deck is just a giant pile of gasoline uh, for the whole draft. Uh, sorry, for the whole game. And it was just too oppressive, especially if you pick Progenitus as your commander, and you're literally playing five-color good stuff, and you always hit your land drops because that's how that conspiracy works. Yeah, that is true. You always have a land when you need it. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, lets yeah. you, like, Reg, have disenchants in your main deck. And, and you know, all, and use them when they're good, and then they're land when they're not good, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I can see how that would be a little oppressive. Uh, Pat, have you ever played anything like this? No, uh, ma- multiplayer magic is like not something that I've really ever been into, and I've never actually drafted a cube before. Oh, you've never done a cube? No, I, I very rarely do anything outside of constructed formats, honestly. Somewhere, somewhere, I mean, in, you've uh, done. Colorado LSV just perked up his head, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You've done like Magic Online, like Vintage Cube and stuff like Uh, that. No, the first time, no, the first time I've done Vintage Cube was this past, was Wednesday because Vintage Cube was not a, oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's Uh, not even a Vintage Cube. That's Vintage Masters. um, Vintage Cube, no, I've never drafted it before. I'm not a big, I'm not huge in drafting Magic. I can't believe you've never done any cube before. Oh, man, we probably should have started this episode just saying what a cube was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I understand what a cube is. But... <laughs> oh, man. Pat, I've, geez, I, I hurt a little bit. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'd love to do one again. I, I mean, I would do a whole night of this. Like, a, I'm sure we could probably... We want to do a hangout, like leaving a legacy little hangout thing. We could do a couple yeah, rounds of this. That'd be super fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Just, I mean, drafting the commanders is cool. Building a commander deck from a cube itself is cool. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, playing commander is iffy, I'll say. But uh, <laughs> playing in a kingdom variant, playing in the kingdom variant is a lot of fun. And the fact that it's also a drafted commander, I think, makes it better because mm-hmm. it really balances out the power yeah. issues between decks. Exactly. No one's coming in with, like, tabernacles because that's a legal card in that format still and like you know like there's no giant power disparity between decks depending on how much the individual wants to uh pay for them so that's a good example another reason why i like it is because people's roles are defined why people don't like multiplayer magic is because they get hosed randomly right it's like the the jerry effect i will we could call it (laughs) where people just like to beat up on a certain individual and that's just like the group meme right and so i remember yeah actually yeah that is a fair fucking point because every time i play multiplayer magic i'm always the first one to get ganged up on it's like guys i've missed my last three three land drops and i have no cards in hand i have no permanence in play why are you attacking me (laughs) exactly and so uh, this sort of um incentive based roles make it so that everyone kind of stays in their lane. Now, occasionally people go incredibly rogue. <laughs> My friend John, who doesn't play too much competitive magic, um, like tried to he's a he's a real showman. He likes a good story, right? And so he played as if he was the bandit for I don't know, eighty nine percent of one game. And then uh I'm convinced that my friend to my right, Jackson, is uh, my knight, and then John is our last enemy. And so <laughs> I'm attacking my knight, 
Uh, and then at the very last second, he path to exiles my like my friend uh, Jackson's commander. And then I'm like, wait a minute, why would he do that? Oh my god, he's been he's been my knight the whole time. And then I, I like look back, and he's been attacking me, and I don't know why. So uh, when people go off the rails, it's it makes the feels bad happens, and that's kind of what happens in the Jerry effect too. Is just like I don't know why mm-hmm. you shouldn't logically be attacking me, but you are, and it's making me enjoy the game less. So when you put some rolls in there, it gets better. That's what the Monarch did in an actual Conspiracy 2 draft. It mm-hmm. actually incentivizes distributed attacks, which is kind of how people play. Uh, in your like your local shop, is like a lot of people attack evenly until one threat is posed, one large table killing threat is posed, and then they all gang mm-hmm. up on that person. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why the Monarch is um, trades hands on damage, and so that it spreads around who gets damaged. It's a very ingenious point of design, in my opinion, about the monarch. Yeah, yeah. That I've never really thought about it that way, but that is a really good point with uh, commander and why I think I don't enjoy a lot of commander games. Is uh, everyone gangs up on me? I honestly <laughs> think commander is a really excellent format if you have excellent players at the table, which mm-hmm. is hard because mm-hmm. it's commander, right? And like you have, the, it has the stigma, right, of of the. Uh, uh, unskilled Fil- players and the filthy casuals. Yeah, scratch their neck beards and take out their, uh, you know, <laughs> their uh, Dorn the Siege Tower decks or, you know, some some random. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or their Gishath Sun's Avatar deck is probably a perfect example of like. Or Popeye Stompy and Commander. They, they take out. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> they, they take out Ramirez de Pietro and they just go to town. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, all right. I I can I can see that. That makes a lot of sense about uh, why this was so much more enjoyable compared to other games I've had. But yeah, just being able to like put on a show like for the for the theater geeks out there who also play Magic, this is like the perfect format. I happen to be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> theater geek, the game. Is that just because it gives you like uh, some role playing involved to it? Yeah, it's no, like that's a different stream. And... Oh. Uh, all right uh anything else from the queue before we move on no we can move on i think Uh, so you you mentioned you played uh you play aggro loam is that your yes i love aggro loam i've been playing it for a bit more than a year now and um i used to play it was some contention i think if the dark depths combo within it was good because you have your knight of the rail queries and your mox diamonds and uh, uh, and Night of the Railway is a great way to tutor up land-based combos. And what's the best land-based combo in the format? Well, it's Dark Depths Thespian Stage, right? So um, after talking with Lawrence, actually, uh, post-Eternal Weekend, he convinced me to cut it from the deck. And I think that's the... Uh, it's just because the deck is so clunky, mana-wise, because mm-hmm. you're playing four colors... And, you know, you're casting Liliana of the Veil, which is a double black spell, that you need to smooth out the clunk. And the one way to do that is never draw a colorless land in the form of a Thespian Stage or a land that does literally nothing until it wins the game, Dark Depths. Because uh, you can mm-hmm. win other ways. Right. I, I kind of found that myself when I was playing the deck, that 
it seemed logically like you would want thespian stage dark depths, mm-hmm. but in reality, it just never works the way you want because you realize in the time it takes you to find dark depths with your uh, Knight of the Reliquary, you could have just been beating their face and winning the game that right. way. Right, an 8-8 eight, eight, Knight of the Reliquary is essentially an abyss, right? Or, or wins in two turns in Legacy. Like, 16 damage is probably all you need. And so it's like mm-hmm. it takes two to three turns to assemble your Merit Lage. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, seems you could have just been punching face for eight a turn or spending three turns trying to get Merit Lage together. Yeah, it also does distribute the risk a little bit better. Because, uh, you know, eight damage is, at, uh, you know, uh, about half of the way to your win con as opposed to touring for just the Thespian stage before the knight dies doesn't actually make you get any closer to winning the game. So, okay. So you've, uh, you've cut dark depths, thespian stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had, uh, have you been having success with the deck lately? Uh, so <laughs> most lately, no, I just, uh, did the young O2 drop from, <laughs> from a GP side event at GP, New Jersey. Um, my second round, I got heinously unlucky. Uh, my opponent, was on Eldrazi, uh, Stompy, and that is usually like in my opinion like an eighty twenty matchup in favor of Agro Loam or five uh, four color Loam mm-hmm. uh, because your Knight of the Reliquary is larger than their largest creature, their um, Thought Not Seer and their Reality Smasher, so you just block it. Um, their dismembers don't always hit your knight. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Uh, you have four wastelands and ways to recur your wastelands, and occasionally you even run a ghost quarter. So there, Ayavugans and other soul lands just don't stay on the field for more than two turns, and they have no draw power in the deck. Additionally, they are a Chalice on One deck, just like you are. So when they open up with Chalice on One, you just smile and go to town, right? Instead of Chalice <laughs> on One, you you mox diamond into Dark Confidant and just basically not play your channels anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also you play Maze Abyss, which is just like an absolute hosing for the 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 deck that wants to kill you with bears and three twos and four fours. Um yeah. So now I lost because I got heinously unlucky in the form of my opponent open well what they won the die roll and they opened Ivugan Mimic 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 Endless one on two. Oh yeah! And so I, I lost <laughs> that game. <laughs> uh, then we, so we sideboard now. Now I'm the play, and then they go. I Rugen, mimic mimic endless one on two, and I'm like, oh, alrighty. I end up winning that game because uh, again, I'm able to like I play a wasteland. I kill their Ayavugan. They attack me for some. You know, they play another soul land and. Basically, they don't do anything that turn. I'm able to claw my way through that game uh, using Liliana the Veil to like whittle down their resources and make them sack stuff. And I have Punishing Fire on that game, so I, I win. Um, the third game, my opponent goes, I have Ugin, Mimic, Mimic, Mimic. And then the next turn goes, oh, I drew my, my other Mimic and then plays an Endless One on four. Oh, just so, <laughs> cracks, cracks in for 12, yeah. turn two. <laughs> so that so if you notice, that was three rounds of the absolute nut draw against my deck. That's the only way I feel like my deck can lose. 
in that match because, you know, playing four bears for free on turn one when I don't even play yet is, like, very hard to win. So Yeah, especially uh, when your removal is a two-mana, you know, burn spell. Right, exactly. Well, so just unlucky. But, I mean, you've had success with the deck uh, previously, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any uh, anything large to boast, um, but I feel confident in the deck. Um, I've day twoed um, the SCG that was in Baltimore most recently. Um, and I that's the only GP that has been Legacy that I've been around for. There was another SCG... Um, that's when I just started the deck, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't. That was the, actually the first tournament I sleeved it up for. Was that SCG? Probably not the best strategy <laughs> to sleeve up a deck and immediately play it for the first time in a, ter- in a tournament of that size. But <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> Agrolome. Agrolome's kind of hard. Yeah, it's a lot of moving wheels, uh, a lot of turning gears there, especially That's with true. the dark depth combo at the time, wasn't it? Right. All right, Pat. Did we talk enough legacy? Oh, well, we uh, we exceeded the amount of legacy I thought we were going to talk today. <laughs> Even though we didn't really. T- <laughs> oh, I'm ready for this. I, I, <laughs> all right, so, all right. So first, first of all, before we get into yes, we're going to talk about the Last Jedi. Obviously, there are going to be spoilers because we're not going to hold back as far as talking about the movie. So if you haven't seen out, the movie, it's been out a week by the time this is coming. It'll be out. two. It'll be two weeks by the time this comes out, right? Well, no, you're right. A week. I'm sorry. A week. It'll be a week. Um, it'll be like ten days. And if you're a yeah. real fan, so if, you, and you probably care about spoilers, you probably should have seen it by now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> don't if you haven't seen if you haven't seen it. Don't listen to this part of the cast. Uh, just just close it out now. Um, so you're gonna wait, be wait, you're gonna be missing the best part. <laughs> wait till you see. Wait till you see the movie. No, because I I mean I get it. Like people don't like spoilers, so please please just remember. There are spoilers from here uh, to the end of the cast. So here be Dargans. Yeah, they're gonna exactly. they're gonna miss Darth Darth Binks though. Oh, they will. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear this theory. All right, so obviously we've all seen the Last Jedi, and uh, I wrote down some notes of my own, but I'm sure we we can kind of dissect the film a little bit and go go bit by bit. But uh, tell me what, what was kind of your your overall impression, Marcus? Well, I think it was a bag of monkey fuck. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. It. It didn't do anything I wanted. So General Phasma has no role in the movie and then dies. Um, Supreme Commander Supreme Leader Leader Snoke Snoke, uh, has no origin and is just this random all-powerful bad guy that dies. uh, Now, I do have some bits of praise for this movie uh, as all Star Wars is beautiful. I'm of the opinion. Um, (laughs) Uh, Jerry initially called me onto this cast for my deep knowledge of Star Wars lore. So this is really where I'm going to be able to spread my wings, um, I feel like. Um, Point is, is that he has no role in that movie other than to, like, mold Kylo Ren. And then he just dies. He dies in a very interesting and cool way in the scene thereafter fighting with uh, his Praetorian guards. It's really engaging, but they didn't give us anything. I felt robbed. I, I felt totally unsatisfied when I left that movie. Mm. Um, uh, Leia mm. almost dying in space was interesting, and her acti- <laughs> interesting okay activating her force sensitivity was also an interesting. Uh, that's from like the EU. Like the deeper canon has has always had her be force sensitive. Uh, 
sorry, I just want to correct you. She was actually wearing rocket boots. Uh, you can't see it. It wasn't. It wasn't the four. She had little rocket boots on. <laughs> That's definitely what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you that. That was my one hang up with the movie. It was they could have made it more believable at least. Yeah. Like, she, like, like still have her in the bridge. Mm. <laughs> I mean, or this like, is a space movie, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> these are these are space wizards we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that too. They, they have I mean, a it, known yeah. canon, like what they can and can't do. And mm. it was done oddly. I, I liked it in theory, but like it looked like she was like, "Come with me," and she just kind of like <laughs> it was. It was a little Mary Poppins. Yes. Um, I so not no, to interrupt Marcus, no, no, but please, I thought please, they please, missed conversation. They missed a perfect opportunity. So Harrison Ford dies in uh, the The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Then Leia or uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, as Luke dies in The Last Jedi. Uh, and then I'm guessing they were planning on having uh, Carrie Fisher's uh, Le- Leia die in the third movie. But now that uh, now that she's died in real life, I feel it's thrown a wrench. There were like two perfect moments for Leia to go out in a memorable way. And they kind of blew both of them. The first being Kylo Ren blowing her off the bridge, being like sealing Kylo Ren's fate if they had written it that way instead of him pulling off. Uh, or actually have Leia be the one who flies the uh, Cal- Calamari uh, cruiser into the Super Star Destroyer. Mm. And then they could have had Mark Hamill be in the third movie and then have the third movie be all about Luke's death. But now I yeah, feel but the they whole, went. I, so one thing I think I don't like about that, Jerry, is that I think the whole point of this, the the, the arc of these three movies is supposed to get us away from these old characters and bring in a, new, a bunch of new characters. And if right, if, which is why the second is why set of movies is about, is about the fall of, or is about the death of Luke Skywalker. I'm not interested in that story. Yeah. But now Leia is going to have an off screen death in the third movie, which mm-hmm. I think is just going to totally do the character I, an injustice. I actually don't we, think she's going to die off screen. I believe she's going to just not be relevant and they might kind of, General Tark, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, her. Yeah, they into... can just CGI. No, they. I mean, they did a hell of a job with, with with young Leia in in Rogue One. That was insanely uh, nope. good. Nope. Yeah, it was absolute dog shit. Uh, uh, you're she, crazy. But they've already that said. Was... They've already you, said. How could you besmirch the best Star Wars movie? Literal number one, oh, top tier best movie. No. All right, we're getting to that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold so your horses. I want to talk about the good things in this movie first. Yeah, I think this was I think this was the best acted Star Wars movie that we've seen. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, my! You didn't even get to my review. My entire review is positive. Yeah, um, I think it's <laughs> ah, the best. Your entire review is wrong, man. <laughs> I, think I think it's the best active uh, acted uh, movie we've seen. I liked a lot of the humorous parts of the movie. I think that that is uh, part of Star Wars. And if you don't Fully like that, disagree. If you don't like that. humor, if you don't like humor, you don't belong in the Star Wars universe. Like if you I don't really think the Ewoks. If you don't think the Ewoks were a humorous bunch, like that is that is the like the lifeblood of Star Wars. There are so like, many quips in the original trilogy. It's like were there a lot in this one? It's like yes, they probably could have removed a couple of them, but like the humor and the lightheartedness is what makes it a fun adventure. Yes. It's what I love most about Star Wars. Quips yes. are not quintessential to Star Wars. Humor situations are I, scruffy I, nerf herder. Come on, what was yeah. It? What was that? Scruffy, scruffy nerf herder. Yeah, yeah. but that, you're a scruffy looking nerf herder. I get that, but that's um, very minor. 
And there wasn't any like looking to the camera and going like, "Ah, eh, funny, right?" There Which was this movie no kind looking of was to like the camera. That, no, there was, it was not. very. This Marvel reeked of the Marvel era. Aaron Sorkin walking and talking like everyone's a funny man type no. type of zingy dialogue. No, I, I disagree. I think the only thing that was like over the top was when Chewbacca was eating the porgs on the island. I thought that was fucking hilarious. It was <laughs> so funny. I actually thought that was a reasonable – that was a funny scene. I agree. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's the little quips that really bothered me where like oh my God. The uh, be- a lot of people po in the in first the order are like just sassy but in a very odd way that I don't particularly want to see. I did not get that at all. Like the beginning with Poe uh, razzing oh, that on was General Hux. Like that's that was gr- so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, yep, I'll hold. It, that was so, it definitely that harkens, was so good. I think it harkens that, back to um, what's going on down there. Oh, nothing, nothing, everything's fine. Right, How are exactly. you? It harkens yeah. to that. But I think, again, it's like dripping with this weird marvel Cheeto dust. That I dislike. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think people are imagining that. I did not get that yeah. at all. So I, I, I agree. It felt the, very Star Wars to me when when the, he's in front of the in front of the destroyer and he's he's buying time to get this code off. Uh, oh, what I believe was uh, unauthentic. I agree that Poe's uh, scripting is correct. General Hux's um, and the officers in the bridge, their reaction. Is oh, the, that was so the, good though. Because Hux is Hux is such a little dilly boy. That's the that's the thing is like he is yes. Hux Hux is the is the archetype of he is like the uh is like Kylo Ren but without like without the abilities, right? Like he is just trying to he wants to needle his way up Snoke's ass to become to become like, you know, to to he is basically trying to win over his favor the entire time, and he's just like this little like he's like this little man child. And I just I love that about about Poe playing on that. I thought it was such a great a great scene where Poe is just like exposing Hux for what he is. Like yes, Hux controls this this military force that is uh, can devastate planets, but he's also like inside is like just a big child. And I think that's such great meta commentary on where we're at now as a country. Like you're telling me that someone can't take our current leader and do like something extremely similar to that. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's so funny and so perfect. And like Hux, Hux is so beflummoxed. He's so bewildered by this, by this, this, <laughs> this clear ploy to like, to buy time and to bust his balls. It, it's just so I think oh, I thought it was such a perfect scene. I really, really oh, love that scene. What I, okay, the so the I'll o- give you the only ones. The, the line the about the only ones. That, oh, the line, just, just real quick. The line right, about so the only ones that I would say shouldn't have uh, the quips that I didn't like as much were Kylo Ren's. I thought Kylo should have been more serious, and he didn't have many. He had like two, but I don't think he should have had any. Agreed. Like I thought he should have just stayed as a very serious <sighs> character. But he. But again, like I think you're overall asking, no like. I, I think one. Of, I would one say of overall, the, it's great. It's great yeah, I, overall. I think, I think. I mean, right. We are getting very nitpicky. My like my assessment of the movie, for what it's worth, just because we're still kind of in the beginning of this part. Um, my assessment of the movie is like it's like a solid eight and a half to nine out of ten. I truly feel it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it ranks above. Uh, I would say seventy five percent of the Star Wars movies that I've seen. It's it's easily top three for me. I would put yeah. it literally the second or third worst one. Yeah, see that oh, wow. that's so surprising to me, and that's why I, I kind of want to. You're about saying it. so, it's you're you're saying it's worse than Episode One. Uh, so, I, out of the prequels, Episode One is not the worst movie. It's Episode Two, I think. I know Episode Two is the worst, right, but so you said like goes, second or third. It goes worst. Rogue One, 
Empire nope, Strikes that is, Back. Wow. Nope. <laughs> uh, okay. This one's going to be real contentious. I, I believe some people might believe me, like might agree with those two. The third one, though, <clears throat> is Revenge of the uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. My third one is Revenge of the Sith, mm. uh, which is definitely, I think everyone can agree, <laughs> is the best of the three of those. Or out of the prequel, have. yeah, that's yeah. probably the best out of the prequels. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just because it doesn't have Jar Jar. Like, if episode one didn't have Jar Jar, it would be the best of the three. Honestly, like, the prequels aren't that bad. It was just, uh, it was a, there was actually a great article that came out recently of someone who worked for ILM and just talked about production meetings with George Lucas where he, like, he was just surrounded by a bunch of yes people. And he would, like, he would talk about these little things and they would, like, they would just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And it made these characters and the movie just feel like, Mm, uh, just just poorly driven, right? Like I felt the the prequels were poorly so, driven. But, I, the, the substance was fine, but the it was dri- poorly driven as a, as a as a series. Uh, I think it's the opposite in this uh, in the the new set of prequel uh, the the post cools, I guess the following movies um, where it was there were no people in the room, and, and but the what you said there uh, the setting was feels wrong, like. We don't know. We have no reason to care about most of these characters in the form of like, who's Snoke? Well, it doesn't matter. He just died. Who's Phasma? That's the, well, defi- oh, that's the definition of Rogue died. One. <laughs> yeah, but you okay, know what? Though well, honestly, let's, though, let's, like, let's, let's wait for Rogue so Marcus. One I think I think what you're doing is you're con- you're also conflating. You obviously are, care very much about the Star Wars universe, right? You're a lot mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. I've I have you know I. I grew up in these movies. I have two Star Wars tattoos. Like it means a ton. These movies mean yeah. a ton to me. The first movie I took my oldest son to see was was uh, Force Awakens, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that we do uh, as fans, uh, and because I've lived with this movie for literally, probably I'm 32 years old, so probably 30 for for probably 29, 28 years of my life, I've I've been watching these movies. Um, you conflate your fandom, you conflate your expectations and your love for the series with what is actually presented. And when you look at the original trilogy, what do we know about Palpatine? Nothing. We literally know nothing about Palpatine. Like, yes, it's, so the prequels. The prequels give us a little bit of his backstory. Right. No, we know. But we even see then, him rise to the. We see him from the movie one to movie three rise from but being okay, a, but he has 30 seconds of screen time in in the empire strikes back no screen time in uh a in new, new hope. hope yeah we don't even know who he is in new like hope. we don't yeah we don't know who the emperor is we know as much about the emperor in return of the jedi as we do about snoke we probably actually know more about snoke than we do about right. the emperor and 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 also i think also what's important is that that's not true it, it is true, though. Like, what do you, all right, tell me. We're not me talking. We're not about... talking about all the books and comic no, books. Right. And all I'm not even saying that. I'm not even saying that. All right. So, <laughs> what do you know? All right. You tell me from from episode four to episode six what you know about Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. All right. So, you are right that the first move. Okay. So the problem is the Star Wars series, move, like franchise, was. I'm saying it's like a change of topic to avoid. The no, 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 no. <laughs> it was built off of like one movie that did really well. And they're like, oh, well, there's definitely more here, so we should run with it, right? So there's, there's flaws in the initial movie, I know heresy, right, that make it very odd in context, right? So, like, for example, Obi-Wan calls Darth Vader Darth by his first name a lot. And, like, there's just these little weird things, one of which is mm-hmm. that there's there's no emperor, right? Like, it's weird that the emperor isn't in any part of the first, uh, well, uh, A New A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he appears, as you said, for like about 30 seconds, maybe two minutes on um, 
Empire, Empire Strikes Back, and then he's like a large part of the last one. The thing is, though, it, it at least I think we have to excuse A New Hope because it didn't know what it was, right? Like Star Wars literally changed the world, and I don't think anyone on that set knew that it was going to change the world. So it's excusable in that in that uh, way. So if we just look at like five and six more reasonably, I think where they understand that there's a larger world here at play and there's more lore. Um, the prequels very much help to make us learn who he is. So if you're ask, if you're going to say Snoke is better in 7 and 8 than just the original trilogy, I would agree. But given the context of the series and what actually is like a good film, uh, and this film has the privilege of knowing it's, it's part of a larger whole, uh, I don't think it was represented well enough. We know nothing about wow. this man. I, I don't. I don't want a bunch of backstory on all the characters, though, because yeah. then you then it becomes then it becomes a movie of exposition and not a, a movie of storytelling. Like, right. does it really matter? Does it really matter who Snoke is? It doesn't really. His motivations he's are the, obviously very clear. But like, he's his, the bad like, guy. <laughs> he's the bad guy. You don't need to know where he comes from. You don't need to know who he is, where he fits into the, the Star Wars universe in a greater sense. I'm sure we will get those answers at some point, either in the extended universe, in video games, or whatever the case is. I think we have a book. Like, you I, know what? I think a lot, you know, these movies are two and a half hours on their own, and to like, to go, and, and I understand what you're, what you're asking for, and I, and I, I, I can I can empathize with that, right? Like, I would love to know, like, hey, I want to know who's Snoke, who's Snoke, man. Like, is he a Sith? Like, he seems like a Sith Lord, but like, he he doesn't really display a ton of Sith powers. Like, he he also doesn't he never even gets out of his chair. Like, is he is he like a crippled? You know, like like I want to know a lot about him. Where's he from? Is he? But we don't get that, and and that's that's okay. Like the 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 movies shouldn't serve uh, the purpose of explaining everything in the universe to us. I think that if you if you're looking and I'm not saying that's what you're looking for, but I think a lot of people are asking that in the movie like also people are really disappointed about race parentage and I thought race parentage was perfect. Like the fact that Ray isn't like this weird convoluted child of Luke Skywalker or Ben, or ben Solo or, or or not Ben Solo but uh, Han Solo I thought it was perfect yeah, because I think that's you know reasonable, what? certainly. It, do, it 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 like it you're right, it doesn't matter. So I wanna. I, I'm sick of all this bashing of the movie, so I want to read. <laughs> well, I'm not bashing I, it. I'm, I'm not bashing. No, it. no, not you. I, I'm bashing. No, it. <laughs> yeah, Marcus is bashing it. So I just want to. I want to see how far I can get into this before we spiral off onto another rage tangent. <laughs> um, so I thought. I thought Force Awakens was great. I loved it. I thought. Oh, I so think it's easily. I got in my top three. The chills. I got the chills so many yeah. times in that movie. It was just like. It was just like. It was, it was a like roller coaster. Of a, of it was like getting a lap dance for my in my child. Like a ch- my my <laughs> child was in front of me giving me a lap dance. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was yeah, like the like, Force Awakens. I don't think that movie could have been done any better for me personally as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, it, like this one, just had such emotional response. Like I felt pride. Mm-hmm. I felt like bittersweet sadness. I felt hope. Like it it tugged at the heartstrings. This like if art is something that evokes an, an emotional response, then this movie is art because mm-hmm. I was feeling the gambit of emotions going through this movie and I can't wait to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I loved most about this movie is that it restored the mysticism of the Jedi. The fucking lowest of the low point of the Star Wars franchise is the Metachlorian blood test. Yeah, yeah, that's like, a little bit a little bit more. Oh, it's very yeah, odd you know, they, it's just... that they chose to write that. 
like knowing what they said in four, five, six, it's weird that they're like, yeah, we're gonna make something a little sciency here, and and like, it's weird that they like purposely it, messed it, that up. Yeah, it made no sense, and it just like it cheapened Jedi. It's like, oh, it's a blood test to find out if you're a Jedi or not. That's so stupid. This movie more than any of the others just restored no, the one. idea that Jedi are fucking space yeah. wizards. Rogue one, right. And that's I think, awesome. Puts the most mysticism back in the Jedi religion. No, I feel like Rogue one's the exact opposite. Force worshipers and we see like that was pretty cool to that, see like a Jedi temple that was being, you know, being you know, uh being decimated for these these kyber crystals to go into the new, you know, Starkiller base and then like uh, or, no, I'm sorry, not Starkiller base, but into the actual Death Star. Well, you know, me. the but, same thing. So because that was yeah, yeah. a cheap plot point <laughs> um, of the first. But that it's the episode. opposite, though. It's like there is no mysticism of Jedi. It's this made up religion that isn't right. really real, well, and no one actually believes. And even in Rogue One, it leaves you wondering. It's like, oh, I don't know. Are Jedi real? No, Who knows? He you lives. can't really tell. He, the, I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. Uh, I believe that he dies. <laughs> no, he dies. But he he is able to because he is one with the Force. The force aids him, and he's able to yeah. complete or, his mission. Or it's just that, or it's just blind luck, or it's just blind luck. No, that was a, literally well, blind luck is a bad pun, Jerry. You son of a bitch. Yeah. It is interpretation. Um, right, that so was that, lowest... I agree, Marcus. That was a fantastic scene. I loved that his final scene in Rogue One was outstanding. Um, one of the other things I thought that was really good about about this movie was that there was a lot of strong new characters, and I thought some of the existing characters we saw some really nice development. I feel like uh like the character of Rose, although I didn't like her like the I didn't like the second act of the movie so much like the the whole side quest to the casino planet. Um, I thought that she is a really cool character, and yes. I'm also really excited to see. Um, a woman and also like a, uh, um, like a, a minority in one of the major roles in the movie. I think it's, it's so great. I think it opens, you know, the original Star Wars is like, with the exception of Lando, is just like fucking yeah. eight white, travel so through space. White, right. And like, I can't <laughs> tell you how excited I am that like my kids love Ray as a character mm. because, and this is again coming from like, like my parenting perspective. It's like, it's really exciting for them to see like a strong like female character because that's something they can associate with their own mother. You know what I mean? Like that's something they can identify with. I I just really love that we have so, more people in, casino, in those roles in the movie. The so um, so going going really nice. off of that, Pat is also if you notice on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a ninety six percent critic rating mm-hmm. and like a fifty six percent. Uh, audience rating and the mm-hmm. reason why because of that is a bunch of the just shitty websites out there like 4chan uh, people are just ratings bombed the movie oh yeah so, I mean again I, I could not well, Ron Tomatoes did like they did an analysis and yeah. like the vast vast majority of negative reviews feature either the word social justice warrior or diversity right and like, and, and like I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, I retweeted someone on on Twitter today about like don't you know that the original trilogy trilogy is or is about social justice as well? Like, what the fuck is wrong? It's always been a social justice movie. <laughs> like, they've yeah. always been fighting Nazis. That's what the fucking movie's about. It just but blows my mind. Like, uh, yeah, these people are purposely trying to like tank the reviews with their yeah. fake bot accounts. Well, because... I, I could care less. And also, like, uh, the woman who plays Rose. I don't know if you if you've seen any of her stuff on on like social media, but she Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran is like is just, like, a huge fan in her own right. And it's so funny to see her interacting with other people and hearing about the way she carried herself on set was really, really cool. She Um, was a great new character. I really enjoyed her character. Um, I was was disappointed in... um, I felt like Finn and Poe 
didn't have a lot of things going on in this movie, but I thought that you just wanted that bromance. You wanted that. Yeah, I did. I did. I would have liked to see it be like Poe and Finn and even, and even Rose go to the planet. But like, I was a little disappointed. I I don't know. I just kind of felt like they were a little bit wasted in this movie, but, but in their place, I feel like we saw a huge, huge boost to the relationship between uh, Ray and, and uh, Kylo Ren and also Luke and Ray. Um, I thought that was, storylines of course is going to be a boost there yeah well I, I just mean like it felt like there was more depth to it more, well how much depth did you feel between obi-wan and luke originally like i felt like very little yeah it was very there minor, wasn't a lot right? there like, they, like it, it, they were two main characters so clearly they had to interact together but it wasn't yeah. like interesting development between the characters they were just right, like set I, pieces t- moving and talking Right, yeah, but but I feel like in this movie, um, I just I, it felt very meaningful. The conversations they were having were 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 meaningful, and I Certainly. thought the the I thought it was moving moving scenes they were in. Um, Ray and Ray and uh, Kylo Ren being able to converse across the universe, aided by well, apparently aided by Snoke's abilities, was really really mm-hmm. interesting in my opinion. And that speaking of that, that's why I thought Snoke felt well-developed to me is because we knew what Snoke's motives were. Snoke's Mm -hmm. entire personality is based around the fact that he thinks he's this great mastermind moving all these pieces and, you know, having everything fall into his lap when in reality he doesn't know the first thing about what's really going on. And it's ultimately his downfall. I would say that's a character trait, not a motive. We have no, this is my problem. We don't have no idea what Snoke, He's the leader of the first order. He wants what? to take okay, over then, the then universe. The what order? more do you need? What's the first order. We don't like. We don't know any. Yeah, like, what's why? the empire? Well, yeah. What's the empire? I feel like you're, I feel like you're, I feel like you're asking is. these questions. I feel like you're asking a lot of questions. And again, I'm not trying to be combative, but I'm just trying to discuss the movie. I feel like you're asking a lot of questions that are never answered in the original trilogy either. That's because but we they just didn't take know what for they granted. Had. That was my first argument. Is because that's not. An I don't excuse, think that's a good though. reason. Like I, again, how much you, you, you want an encyclopedia entry, not a movie, somewhere in these movies? I don't think that. that's... No, I want to know. Like so, so when we all right, so numbers wise, one, two, and three is mm-hmm. showing the rise of the Empire, right? It's showing... Uh, like well, it's, it's no, like the Trade really. Federation, uh, do the little... Bo- oh, you mean... Do, we do don't little, acknowledge those, <laughs> but yes. They okay. do the I little mean, boogie is, down I, in Naboo, and then they, like, it. Uh, militaristic sentiment enters the Senate, and then over the course mm-hmm. of 10 years, Sidious plots and gets Count Dooku to secede, and then he, yep, you know, yeah. like... So we see this matriculation, and then eventually in the third movie, like, his grand scheme is revealed, and then that, and then that happens, and then we see the Empire... And then we see its defeat. And then this movie, we should have seen, in my opinion, um, like what happens after the destruction of the the galactic government goes down, right? Like there's there's a there's a power vacuum, and someone steps in to fill the void, right? Right, I agree. And I and you're gonna about to say that oh, that's the first order, right? And and I say yes, I agree that that is my that is the speculation. But there's not a single line in these movies that like denote this or so or, like, i so just have to I, believe that that occurred which is like not what i want you know like i want to be told so you want an, but, but you want again, an encyclopedia like, I think, I think article to go for, along with your movie you're asking like, for like for plot points that are too ex, ex, uh expository i don't think that's good for movie making i think like right. these space operas are tough to pace on their own and like i don't think we need a lot of background like all we need to know about the first – the only thing you need to know about the first order is that they're there to fill the vacuum left behind by by the the uh, by the Empire. But why and, like, are they like, – it's so like much more interesting because like why are they filling the void? Because the Empire is very evil and run by a very evil person. Like mm-hmm. 
so it's I like I just wish they they had so much more to do. And instead, I honestly believe that the seventh movie is just like a new hope again. It's just like this mm-hmm. monolithic white Nazi group, white as in the stormtroopers are white, mm-hmm. and then they're like Nazi ish, right? And they like very fascist. Uh, Hux is it, pretty. Hux is pretty white too. Yeah, and then like the Death Star <laughs> is just. They even make a reference to it. It's just like, wait, a larger Death Star? That's what you got for me? Starkiller base? And they do a uh, I also run. love the fact they use Starkiller as the name for that. Yeah, right? it's because the original Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah, his original working name in the film was Luke Starkiller, which I – that was just like a little Easter egg I think for the fans that I just love mm-hmm. so much. Uh, totally. it was a good. I, I agree it was a great Easter but, egg. But it frustrates me that they just retold the fourth movie. I want, I want to well, see a development of the story. But not what a, in the Force okay, Awakens? They didn't right. retell the fourth hold movie on, at all on, in this hold one. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. One, yeah, second, one thing I do want to say, and I, I agree with you, Marcus. I think largely that tale was redone. However, something that's always been known about the Star Wars universe, something that that Lucas has talked about forever, was this: the universe is tied. The storyline is tied. To like the Joseph Campbell hero with yeah, a thousand yeah. faces, hero's journey style style tale, and one of the things I like about um, the Last Jedi is that it deviates that from that a little bit. But I think that you need that structure to introduce Rey, to introduce Kylo Ren, to show these two opposing forces with greater movements behind each of them, but really like they are the tip of the spear, so to speak, at least in the story, like the storyline. Yeah. So also saying how you want all this backstory about uh, the First Order, it would have completely thrown the movie off because this movie I felt was perfectly paced. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, like from the very first uh, space battle, uh, you know, going down to like the almost like a bottle episode where they're trapped on the spaceship and they need to try and find a way out. Uh, you know, going down to the casino, I, th- I felt the casino was a little long, but honestly, it was a and it was a fun ride. Yeah. I enjoyed well, the, uh, uh, the yeah, casino. I, I thought the casino was a, a very like they even allude to it, Moss Eisley like a uh, little side adventure. A lot of see a lot of flavor of the world there. And that's what Star Wars right. is. Is like see, the, my thing is that Star Wars is an environment. It's mm-hmm. a setting, right? The reason why everyone was captivated and fell in love with Star Wars. Is because when we saw the most wretched hive of scum and villainy, we actually saw like this weird. Oh, that was so cool! I remember being blown. I'm sorry, right. I don't no, need yeah, to interrupt. No, I... But I was totally blown away by the cantina and Moss Eisley. Like yeah, exactly. as a kid, I was like, I could watch that over. I could still watch it over and over again. And when they go into into Maz's like similar bar. Um, in in the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. yep. I fucking love as they pan across and they have such a similar vibe to it. I, it just gave me when I was watching that for the Force Awakens, it gave me straight up goosebumps. Uh, I agree, and so that's the point I'm trying to make is that it's mm-hmm. um, that was classic Star Wars, and it that was good to see. I, I the thing that I'm bothered by, and it's gonna go back to my original point a little, is if I wanted to see a New Hope. Retold, I just watch Re- A New Hope again. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, we're talking The Last Jedi here. The Last Jedi uh, breathed yeah. life into the series. Like, yeah, we was... haven't seen anything like The Last Jedi in the history of uh, of Star Wars, which I think is exactly what it needed. Yes, I think that it was... I agree with you that it was different. Uh, and it wasn't like a... I, I can make the argument about uh, Force Awakens that it's basically four in a different lens. And so, right. but uh, I mean, that was its purpose. What I'm bothered by is because they didn't set up like the First Order and then by proxy Snoke, this movie felt unsatisfying to me because there are no – all the loose ends I feel are largely still up in the air. 
I still don't know who Snoke is. I really don't honestly know why uh, the First Order came to be the way it is specifically. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm bothered by the fact that it could have been, it could be a very interesting movie showing like what happens when the power structure is destroyed, right? And like there's no more direct one leader, right? The, n- now the Grand Moths are all vying for power, right? There's like 12 Grand Moths in the galaxy. and, and mm-hmm. uh, Or actually, sorry, there's 12 Moths. And then when Grand Moff Tarkin and the Emperor dissolve the the Senate, all the power goes to Grand Moff Tarkin, and then they, all the Moffs have to report to him. That's the, the either way. The point being is that uh, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't yeah. resist. By the way, that line, that information is actually in the first movie. Uh, well, uh, A New Hope. You actually do learn that uh, through yeah. the opening. Uh, real, and also one piece of throwaway dialogue that Grand Moff Tarkin says when he's entering a room. Uh, but I, I, either way, so that the Emperor does appear in uh, A New Hope they, in the they form of a lion. <laughs> yeah, they mention there's an Emperor and that he reports to him directly now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so again, my point is that uh, Star Wars is a continuous story, and I felt that this new series. Of movies has not really continued the story to the lengths that I would have liked to have seen it, and I hold it to that standard because it's Star Wars. And the other movies have continued this chronology of the universe, and it feels like we're stalling a little bit. Ah, I disagree. I think not only is The Last Jedi a great Star Wars movie, it's just a good movie in its own right. Like, as a self-contained plot you know, mm-hmm. plot, uh, self-contained, uh, you know, adventure, it stands on its own right. Uh, yeah, I, I, so, in all honesty, I would give this movie like a 4 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10, but I think I'm being very hard on it uh, for very, I don't know, I, I, I would say that, in all honesty, I'm giving this a 4 out of 10, because it, it just didn't do everything I wanted. And it might be a little selfish, but I, as a very strong, deeply indoctrinated Star Wars nerd, uh, I didn't want this. As a movie on its own, yeah, maybe it's fine. But there's still problems I see with it. Like Phasma, General Phasma, um, doesn't do anything. She just, like, enters and dies. And in the first movie, she enters and does nothing and leaves. Yeah, I think Phasma was a victim of we need to sell a toy and we need a new Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Phasma really should have existed in either of the movies. But, I mean, no movie's perfect. Uh, and also, it's just, like, I feel everyone who's been knocking... So everyone hated The Force Awakens because it was just A New Hope redone. They're like, oh, it's just the re- same thing over again. And then The Last Jedi does something completely different, and everyone's mad that it's not exactly the same thing that they were expecting from Star Wars. It's like, all the negative reviews I hear seem to just be fanboys upset that their perfect vision of the Star Wars you know, universe isn't being realized. Perfect like, vision? It, I like the... Prequels, like uh, it's a very broad, <laughs> and I think that speaks here. volumes to your opinion here. <laughs> all, all Star Wars, all Star Wars well, is beautiful. Maybe you and like the prequels so much, Marcus. Movie. Maybe you like the prequels so much, Marcus, because it's what you really want, which is a bunch of exposition. 
right? Yeah. I mean, not, which like, is why they're terrible. Again, <laughs> again, not to insult. I'm not. <laughs> that's not my intent. I don't want you to stop listening to cast when we're done. Oh, it's, that's already like, long happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, do you think that like the reason why you like because that's one of the reasons why I like the prequels. Was because you learn so much of this. Like, if you don't read the extended universe, uh-huh. you learn a lot of the storyline that you was just not there um, uh, prior. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which I kind of uh, liked about the prequels. That's what Star Wars: The Clone Wars TV show and Star Wars Rebels: The TV show are for. Those are the perfect exposition yeah, builders. Those, I don't. Those series are gasoline, by the way. Yeah, yeah Rebels is good. But I don't know how amazing. much it tells you about the background, but Rebels oh, is good. So much. Yeah, it, it really broadens the world. Uh, yeah. Which is what Star Wars is, as I mentioned before. Like it's supposed to be. There's still like the the small story of how Leia gets those. So Leia, like the the beginning of New Hope, Leia's getting these de- these Death Star plans, right? And you have no idea where they come from. The oh, fact which that they ruined can... the entire thing. What? Oh my god. Yeah. All right. We're getting into how why Rogue One is a terrible movie. No, I'm <laughs> telling you why it's a great movie. Like the fact. No, that I'm I'm telling you it's a terrible movie. Oh man, if you think Rogue One's a terrible movie, like Jerry, so I, also, all, so, I also I also question so, okay. your taste. So first of all, so that you just mentioned it ruins the you know the the entire the development of Star Wars is in A New Hope when uh, Vader storms onto Leia's ship, brings her above, and she goes, I'm on a, diplomatic, I'm on a diplomatic mission from Alderaan. And it, 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 you just feel this like power behind her. And then Rogue One goes like, oh, you just fled a battle. Now she sounds like a whiny teenager, you know, saying, oh, I didn't borrow the car, Dad. I didn't crash it into the telephone but she pole. is a whiny teenager. Uh, no, oh I also God, just don't totally agree with that. I, I think it, it holds the same weight. She's, yeah, uh, dude, I'm sorry, but that like that Rogue One ties together, like ties like begins Episode Four so nicely. Vader I, I'm, I'm makes a pun. Like it. it is like it is like a, a just a classic war movie. I thought it was so not, good. Not only is it a bad Star Wars movie, it's oh. an objectively bad movie in general. The entire oh, first yeah, half of the movie, you can't, the entire first, all, Jerry, first half of the movie, bad movie. Like, yeah, oh, I can. You can't without. Here, I'll, I'll prove it. Without looking it up, uh, tell me the names of the characters in Rogue One. You have Jane Urso. You have K2SO, who's the droid. Oh. Uh, Cassian. Cassian is her is her buddy who's, like, helping her. Uh, who else is in it? Um, I can't remember the monk's name. I always I always forget his name. Um, but, like, I mean, I can name you. I can name you the characters, Jerry. Like, I, I've seen the movie a hundred times, really? and I have kids who have the toys. So, like, this isn't really working on me. But, but the point is, is Mar- that yeah, Marcus, the, the characters. Well, I mean, well, you just said, hold movie. on, name me, yes, name it, me one character in fucking Saving Private Ryan. Besides I Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. Great point, Pat. I think. Like to be an no. iconic movie, the characters, their names don't need to be. Memorable. No, my point they're, is, they're, my point is, is Rogue One. Rogue, yeah, the whole thing, Rogue One is based around these characters making sacrifices, but you know what? I don't give a shit because I don't care about any of these characters. I can't name any of the characters in Rogue One. I don't think Marcus can name any of the characters in Rogue One, Directed but you know Rey. who I can name? I can name Ray. I can name Finn, I can name right, Rose, BB-8, Poe. It doesn't, it's, 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 it doesn't matter about the story. Let me finish. Heroes, let me have, finish. Listen, listen, it's a story. No, no, let me finish. Let me finish. Stop. Let me finish. No, you stop. It's my turn. Let me finish. The whole point of the entire thing the entire point Jerry, of these movies movie, is that you hold on, let me just let me just say this one characters. thing one movie okay is let me put it in football terms because you'll understand this okay no oh, sure the the grand the grand storyline of star wars from episode the the original trilogy the prequels this trilogy right now those are like your quarterbacks, your running backs, and your wide receivers. These are the stars of your program. These are the guys you see on television. These are the names you remember. You know who you can't name? 
any of the offensive linemen on the Patriots or any other team or the def- or even some of the defensive linemen. Warren those Sapp, are the guys. Jerry. Those are the workhorses. Warren those are the guys. But those, <laughs> but those are the guys who are who are who put their head down, who do the dirty work. Who are those? Are the ones who move the offenses? They're not the guys this, who get the credit, and that's what Rogue One is. Rogue One is a story about the people who do the dirty work, the people who move, who are actually turn the tides of, of war, the people who don't get their names on anything except maybe a, a memorial at the at the end of the war. They are not the headliners. They are not. They are not superstars. Fine. They are not exceptional people. They are normal people who are do extraordinary done? things. You done? That's fine in real life. This is a movie that I go to enjoy. I can't like the entire movie leads up to the cataclysmic ending where they all sacrifice and give their lives. But it doesn't matter because you don't give two shits about any of them. Like the robot dies. I'm like, oh, robot's dead. Uh, And then the monk dies. Didn't really care about that. But that's the point. That's the point, Jerry. That's that I point. don't care about this movie. No, the no, the movie specifically that's made me not you're a terrible care. Person. The point is, is that these people that in war, people die all the time, and no one cares. Right. That yeah, is and part it, of war. And, and like oh people God, die meaningless. The last Jedi did that, and you still meaningless cared. deaths. Uh, I would the, say the, that the a last... large theme of Rogue One is that people are dying for almost no, like kind of no reason, and super lame, and that's a product of war. Right. That is that and is the, the commentary that Rogue One makes on Warrior, and like, not everyone gets a funeral pyre, not everyone gets their their armor retrieved from a a battle station that's about to explode. Then why and gets a funeral pyre? Then like, why are you going into all die. of this? Why are you going into all of this pointless backstory? Like the entire first hour of Rogue One should not have existed. You spent the first it's, hour it's building up these characters for nothing. Uh, like with a with a gripping, rich story. Like it's not a rich story. It's so poorly written. That's the other thing. Like you can tell that this movie went through ten rewrites before being I, shot. I think I would agree that you can tell that there are like definitely rewrite elements in the story. But like the scene, Car- like the pilot, and like no one not yet. Yeah, like, like interesting. Like oh no, Vader making a pun. Don't choke on your ambition. Like oh my, oh, it's god, so good, painful. Jerry. I thought you liked <laughs> the lighthearted parts of Star Wars. Oh yeah, what Jerry. What's wrong with Jerry, you? You're I such a you hypocrite. That's thing. not. That's not funny. That is painful. No, it's, that is yeah. not painful. Darth, that Vader, Darth Vader made a dad Darth joke. A Darth Vader person. made a dad joke. Uh, yeah, and J- Vader has two kids. So fuck no, off, no, Jerry. Oh my god, like it's such a. I don't agree with that. He's a literal dad. I don't think it's. Like the, like, the whole Saul, the whole Saul Guerrero like storyline didn't even like Saul Guerrero is the one I cared the most about, and I will blatantly say that it that entire storyline shouldn't have existed. Like the whole uh, Jane Erso shouldn't have existed in a, as a character because she makes no fucking sense. The Rebel Alliance tries to assa- uh, actually succeeds in assassinating her father, and then she decides to like, oh you know what I'm actually gonna gonna lead the rebellion and I'm gonna give a rousing speech uh, when everyone else is giving up. Like that makes no fucking sense. I still don't care about her so i'm just wondering when she's gonna shut up and get on with it and then it finally goes to actually like the only redeemable parts of the movie is the battle of scaro and darth vader's one scene on the ship oh, those so were the good. only that two redeeming so fa- factors of, of an otherwise terrible yeah, movie uh, that but that and also the kylo ren ray fight in uh, in this movie uh, when they're fighting against uh, all the uh, the guards and the, Snoke's uh, the Proteus guards, Snoke's uh, or Promethean guards, whatever. Um, that was that was so good, so good. Uh, may I make a point about about I don't know ten minutes ago that I couldn't get in about sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. So about the I just stole the family car. I would fully disagree with that idea, Jerry. That um, I think Leia 
as a giant set of stones for being like, yeah, you just saw me escape, but I'm going to lie to your face. And be yeah, like, that's nope, pretty I'm bold. actually on a <laughs> diplomatic mission to Alderaan. It's just like, it's like a scene from Breaking Bad where you're just like, <laughs> no, I'm actually on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. And, and like, she just knows yeah. that he knows Ugh. that she's lying and she doesn't give a fuck because no. she is Leia Organa. Yep. Uh, all right. So back to back to, the, yeah. to uh, also the last speaking. Jedi. Wait. Speaking um, of agree. Wait. Egregious yeah. fanboy moments too in Rogue One. How about the thirty second shot of the blue milk? Like, come on. They're, like Wasn't Rogue that in this? One. Does no, it, that was in Rogue Luke, One. They Luke zoom in on from blue the milk for like thirty some seconds. Green milk making like troglodyte on the on the coastline. <laughs> oh, that was so that was uh, so no. nasty. Like that, that's the thing. The last Jedi did I just not to have lick like that nipple. <laughs> I was I was convinced that the last Jedi, you know, when they get on the stolen ship and uh they're going through like the the log of yep. the of the, the, the arms, arms dealer. Yep. I was convinced that they were going to have a picture of Lando Calrissian flash across it as like the owner of the ship and they're oh. going to oh, jam the cool. Easter egg. I'm in. still waiting for Lando to come back in the movies. He's I'm not, surprised they haven't he, tapped he, him. Well, he's very old. Buzzing is like like he He's asked to be in it, I believe, and they just said no. I believe that's like a publicly known thing. He's like the only like original person of color from the original trilogy. He's like like, ninety years old. He was old. So was Mark Hamill though? No, no, Mark Mark Hamill's like in his sixties or something like that, or maybe not even. Uh, Lando Calrissian is like very old. But yeah, but that's the thing is Rogue One took so many cheap shots at your nostalgia. Uh, Talk about cheap shots. Force Awakens is just like. The most panderous film in the series by oh, far. Oh, that's what, what? That's what I love. I love all the callbacks. I thought that was the, one of the best parts of the movie. It's like, hey, like you guys have been waiting for a good Star Wars movie. Let me shower you in nostalgia. Like, how good? How how did you not like that? I love that other, part. Other than Rogue, blue milk of, uh, of, of, of the Force Awakens. Other than blue milk, what's your evidence? About I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm talking to. Um, I'm oh. talking to. Uh, oh, oh, uh, oh uh, for blue Rogue milk. One, why it's terrible? Yeah. How about the two Moss Eisley Kas- Katina guys? Not only do yeah. they have to be leaving Star that specific Wars. day, Star they Wars have to fly across the universe to get to Moss Eisley, which is happening. Keep in mind, the events of A New Hope take place a couple of days yeah. after the events of the Rogue Star One. Star Wars like, is all that's about utter bullshit. Like seven people in the whole damn galaxy all bumping into each other. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like that's such such utter bullshit. And it's just like like Rogue One is just a poorly written movie. Like, all right, the, well, there's so many characters that Rogue don't One exist. Because Jerry's not going to change his mind. He's wrong. Yeah, he's he, just he's wrong. objectively wrong. But that's okay. It's Jerry. it's an objectively bad movie. <laughs> okay. Um. So some of the other things I thought were really great about um the uh, the Last Jedi was some of the the great nostalgia that they brought back. Like when they when Yoda popped up on screen, mm, yeah. I like oh, I, I, I lost it. That. That, that was so cool. Was so, and I they used the puppet. Well. That That's all we scene. wanted. They used the puppet. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was interesting. Yeah. They chose the puppet. It's good that they chose the puppet because he keeps the canon as well. Like he's Mid- clearly lost a part of his mind on Dagobah living alone, mm-hmm. but he's still like very wise. And so like they kept his deranged looking puppet version instead of the CGI version, oh, which so makes sense cool. because when people yeah. get old, they look deranged. You know, they look more yep. deranged like, than when they're young. There's just there's just <laughs> and, something I would I would take puppetry over CGI. I would say like. N- 90% of the time, and I'm not being hyperbolic, I'm, I'm serious, like, yeah. I would rather see, like, like good puppetry than amazing CGI most of the time, only because there's something so much more visceral about really, about, about puppetry that I really like, and, like, obviously when you're watching the original trilogy, like, yes, like, clearly, like, Jabba the Hutt is five guys in a gross suit, but, like, 
It's just, but so it's, is Jerry. It's just so much better. It's so much better than the CGI of of Jabba that they tried to that they were gonna you know uh, put into uh, into a New Hope. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just so much better. Um, I would say like Tarkin, for example, really sh- was good. And so that was very I, good. Unfortunately, I think that contradicts. Well, I guess maybe that falls in your your ten percent of the time. Part. Yeah. Well, though, yeah, and, yeah. And, and again, like, like you, you can't, can't make have a, a puppet of Tarkin, right? Yeah, well, the thing is, to be sadistic. They should have. They should have either done all. They should have done all or nothing, though. So Tarkin and Leia were CGI, but Mon Mothma was a different actress. It's like make up your mind. Either yeah, you should yeah, have done was, all that was different really actresses. Really close, though. Uh, I thought the CGI was just so gimmicky. Like we're gonna look back five years from now and look at that CGI and groan, and it's gonna I be. Disagree. I disagree. It's so, gonna be so gimmicky episode, and trashy, and it's gonna age so poorly. Episode three still so holds up, and that's been like a decade. So like, I, uh, maybe in like yeah. eighty years. If you look at like even like the the Lord of the Rings movies, <laughs> you, know, you know what doesn't hold up? Episode one. I watched episode one not too long ago, and I'm like, wow, the CGI is bad. Well, so much of that, so much of that was. I mean, the the prequels, notwithstanding, like so much of it was shot in green screen, which is again, I think, one of the issues with having a George Lucas unchecked running the show. Um, but uh, but anyway, anyway. Um, also, it was kind of I was kind of bummed to see Akbar sort of die without purpose. That was a little bit of a bummer. Oh yeah, like um, the vaguely off-screen death of a. Yeah. You were just saying that that uh, that's the whole point of Rogue One is these people uh, die in pointless fashion. Admiral Akbar, Admiral Akbar is an admiral. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh he's God. an admiral. He's not. He's not hey, a rebel. And they're different movies with different king's, messages. <laughs> right, in, exactly. in Mother Russia, a king's grave is just as deep as a pauper's. Uh, prolific. Okay. Oh, so, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so I, th- I thought that was kind of a bummer, but I really loved, uh, bringing Yoda in there. I love how Yoda just fucking like lights the tree on fire. Like just like, yeah, fuck it. Burn it down. Burn it down because this is not like, that's yeah. not what the Jedi are about. And Yoda's, not like, about Yoda's, the per- Yoda's also the perfect one to get those like funny lines. Like, did you read them? Yeah. Page turners. <laughs> they were not. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> like that's I, I thought that, so I thought good. That, that line was a little bit um, too. Uh, I thought it was campy and unneeded. Maybe campy was the word. I don't think that's a Yoda line, you know. Yeah, oh my I god, think that's he could have been such like, a Yoda I, line. You know, I I feel like they could have had a better line, but I thought it was I thought it worked. That is straight. That is straight off of Yoda at Dagobah. We're not talking God forsaken Yoda of the first three trilogies. We're talking right. Empire Strikes Back Yoda. That yeah. perfectly plays into his character. <laughs> when nine hundred years you when nine hundred years old you are, look as good you will not. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a great. That's, that's so a great line. perfect. That okay, that is some evidence. But but I just thought I thought. I thought the contemporary um, uh, verbiage of Page Turner well, took me a little bit out of that. That was my only. That was my only. It's thing. a like, book. I don't it mind him making pages. Joke. What's that? It's a book. It has pages. No, no, I know. I maybe again. So I, I'm being very nitpicky here. Uh, again, remember, Jerry. <laughs> it's not like you whole, said. Hand me on my whole, iPhone charger. On the whole, I love the Last Jedi. I love this movie. So just just remember that these are all just little nitpicks. Um, <laughs> The only uh, – uh, my favorite scene in the whole movie was the last scene before the credits. Do you guys catch this of the young kid uh, on that casino planet where mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're racing all these animals and you have all these people who are working both sides, like you know, selling weapons to the Jedi, uh, se- selling weapons to the rebels, selling weapons to the First Order. And you have this kid. Did you see him force grab the broom? Yeah. 
Yeah. That, like, and that he force grabs a broom, he fucking waves around like a lightsaber, looks up to the sky. Like, tell me that wasn't like how, like, like when you watch your first Star Wars movie, tell me that's not what you did immediately afterwards. Like, you fucking, like, yeah. you tried to use the force on something in your house. Like, I just fucking that gave me like that was such a per- one of my I think one of my favorite shots of any movie ever was that was that shot. Uh, um, yeah, that is a it sets up a statement I feel like, but it was no, it's, um, it's because, because the next because generation so much, of fans that like like look exactly exactly right like that is that is the, the those are the kids who are watching this movie now and that to me like struck home because it it, it connects it connects the original trilogy and this trilogy that we're watching. Yeah. Um. My 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 other big quip was like the weird side quest that they did. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I thought it was and, and I didn't like Laura Dern. She's not like one of my favorite actresses. Uh, I didn't like her. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't let Poe in on the plan. Other than well, like, no, I think hold on. I've been seeing that thrown around, and I thought that made perfect sense. If you have a secret escape plan, you don't tell the entire crew because you don't want that news getting yeah. out. Yeah, you po don't Dameron want was the like, Empire to find out. Poe Dameron is like one of your one of your best fighters, like he's a captain, a captain of like your X Wings. Like he I mean, got he demoted recently. recently he demoted, got demoted yes. for making reckless decisions. You don't want to yeah. trust that information with that's, someone that just lost half your fleet doing a reckless decision. Yeah, that that's, made that's perfect fair. sense. I don't understand that's why fair. people don't get that. It just it just felt to me like it made the side quest like the the, the second act necessary, and I felt like the second act took away a little bit from the movie. But again, I don't like. I still think it served a purpose. Um, I thought like the casino scene was really interesting and, and, and it was like a fun popcorn style scene, you know, which was fine. Um, but mm. it was just, just wasn't my favorite choice in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it did. It's because it, it seemed pointless. But I mean, that's the whole thing that makes it realistic is that sometimes like plans don't always go off without a hitch. They don't always work. They went through all this effort to get a code breaker and then they got caught anyways. And I think yeah. and that's he might not even be the like code it. breaker. Like, yeah, very, right. like, vague, <laughs> like, was, was the oh, he, guy with he the definitely lapel? wasn't the code breaker. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the other like, A-list he, actor yeah. who, I can't remember his name, but who was, uh, who actually Benicio had Benicio Del Toro? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. no that was the, that was the, the Benicio the, played, what was his P, PC or DC or whatever it is in the, in the movie? The, the jail cell guy, as opposed to yeah. the James Bond guy who actually right. fit the description yes. that is the code breaker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, so like, they definitely did not get the person they were supposed to right. get. Well, and it's like, it, it, that's the whole thing is like, things don't go according to plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that was fine. I I'm, I just felt like the whole, the whole thing felt a little strange. And like, uh, there were some things that didn't make a ton of sense. Like, why are they just going to follow this, this like, this cruiser when they could just like, send a couple ships in front of it and blow it up from the front? I don't know. It felt like a little bit like, it felt like they made like the Empire made or I'm sorry, the First Order made this decision to just trail them and gave them a lot of time to make a movie in between there. You know what I mean? It just felt strange, like a strange reason to to just like follow the ship until they run out of fuel. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's also weird yeah. that they like they were like equally as fast as the ship, even though now they do like have a line of dialogue that says, well, it's lighter than us, sir. So it's going to always be faster than right. us, but we can right. still trail it and shoot at it. They're just like, right. uh, OK, so you're saying these are just. Like exactly the same speed. That's very odd. Yeah, that one is not faster than the other. Right. And- yeah, and or like you know <laughs> they could they could just like light speed, 
out and then light speed back and be like, uh, you know, a few hundred miles in front of the cruiser and still blow it up. Like there are, I mean, again, it, it was, it was fine. Uh, my guess um, is I mean, that you can't, you don't really know how, way. how hyperspace works. No, like, we, we don't know we how do. accurate they can get. We do. And it's not, it can't be that accurate. Not in the move, not in like the, every, remember yeah, everything I, other than the movies I mean, and the TV show has been, has been no, 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 taken you, out of the canon. That's how sick, that's how sick most, was Holdo's light speed through true, Snoke's but. command ship though? How fucking awesome was that? What? When when Holdo turns the ship around and goes light speed through the through Snoke's mm. command ship. Yeah, the cinematography oh, yeah. on that was really well done when it oh, like it changes so to be like uh, stylistically black and white and still and like and quiet. It was silent. Yeah. And that movie theater right. was packed and was fucking silent. Yeah, you could hear a fucking pin drop. Yeah, that was that super. That was and then super people cool. started stood up and started cheering. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> but the thing is, like, what I've been seeing people complain about is like, oh, if you could have done that the whole time, why don't people always just suicide their ships into other ships? And I'm like, because you don't want to destroy these massive. Yeah, ships it's like only have a few uh, kamikaze missions are never the sign of a winning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, mean, like that is not a winning military strategy. Right. Yeah, budgetarily, uh, it's literally impossible. Right. 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 Plus, we saw we saw in Rogue One the smaller transport ship tries to do it and it just crashes into the side of Darth Vader's ship. Yep. So yeah. that shows that you have to use a massive ship in order to get it to work in the first place. It also has to right. travel so, at light speed. Like a, right. like a it has, rail it has gun. To, <laughs> right. It has to also be at like the perfect distance where it's further, for, far enough away for it to get up to light speed, but also close enough that it isn't in a hyperspace tunnel yet so that it would just right. go right through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I thought that scene was awesome. People who are complaining about, like, the logistics of that, I don't think I've really sat down and thought about it because mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. <sighs> I'm, I'm getting flustered here, guys. No, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, the vipers. I really, I really liked this this movie. I, I didn't, really did. and I'm still happy to talk about it for hours. So that tells you how much, yeah. how great Star Wars is in general, huh? Yeah, I, I just man, I just I, I liked it, was... it better than a New Hope. If I yeah. going back and uh, watching yeah. a New Hope, a New Hope is kind of slow. Yeah, it's pacing has it has a lot of pacing problems and um actually all right, super controversial opinion here, but I believe that if we're going to be really honest with ourselves and looked at Star Wars as a whole, as a large piece of canon as it has become, Episode 4 would be the most worthy of a remake of any of the episodes because of its strange inaccuracies given the rest of the series mm-hmm. now, yeah. now obviously they kind of screwed themselves like i mentioned at the beginning of the cast because they could have just wrote the script correctly within the context of the you know the <laughs> the first movie that they made but instead they chose to contradict themselves by writing lines that were incorrect based off of the fourth <laughs> movie so you know i guess they get what they they reap yeah. what they well, sow. Also, like the fact in the in the like the original trilogy, the Jedi are like the most powerful political order. They're the police of the universe. They're everywhere. And then a mere what, like <laughs> sixteen years, twenty, yeah, sixteen years later, everyone's completely yeah. forgot about he, them he, and don't believe that they exist yeah, anymore. Han doesn't think <laughs> Han was alive during the Clone Wars as a child because he is like more than sixteen. And <laughs> right, and um, and he just doesn't believe that Jedi ever existed. The officer calls it space magic when. He's literally getting choked and like it's very <laughs> clearly that it exists. Yeah, but remember the universe is the universe is a big place too. Oh no. Like the and universe what, is, is 
That's what Rogue yeah, but they're in the capital. Like, like the Jedi base is in the capital with hundreds of Jedi walking around. Yeah. You know, using lightsabers and force powers in public. It's and like people too. would know yeah, about. Yeah, but like this if shit. you're some if you're some kid like on a, on a no name planet like light years <laughs> away and you never but actually see a Jedi like it, it is just a story. Uh, ha- but it's Solo not just kids. Was though. part of the Imperial <laughs> Academy. Like, he, he probably got a... Right, right, no, I'm just saying, like, in general, in general, like... Uh, like, no one believes that Jedi exists. Now, the four... Uh, the four uh, sorry, Rogue One does a good job, in my opinion, of, of uh, trying to infuse that thing of, like, well, it's a big galaxy, some people think it's fake. I actually do think they do that pretty well, and that, mm-hmm. you know, people call it a religion, people call it uh, magic, people call, you know, so... Mm-hmm. I mean that at the end of the day, that's why I loved uh, the Last Jedi is because it brought the magic back to Star Wars, mm-hmm. which I felt it's been lacking ever yeah. since. Like Return of the Jedi was the last time that I felt that Jedi were magic. Yeah, um, the prequels absolutely murdered it, and Rogue One even drove it further in by making it ambiguous whether it was real or not. Uh, zero out of one. Fully disagree, given what I literally just said five minutes ago. But. <laughs> I mean, you're right to your entirely wrong opinion. <laughs> it's, it's a temple. Of a, oh my god! Whatever. Let's move off this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let's put a pin in this because it's getting it's getting late. Let's just agree to have a three way disagree. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the problem with Star Wars. It's like a ten million agree ten million sided agree to disagree on. <laughs> Right. Uh, let's let's get on uh, before we run out of time. Tell us about Darth Darth Binks. Okay. Oh God! Strap I, in, I, everyone. I don't know if I can listen to this, but continue. <laughs> all right. It, so, all right. So this is on like a Reddit thread, so you can find that link and do research, quote unquote, yourself. But um, <laughs> don't do homework, kids. Do uh, do research uh, but, into Darth Darth uh, Binks. I can give you the the cliff notes here. So. Uh, now, for the record, I do not believe that, given the canon as is, Dar- uh, Jar Jar Binks is a, has anything to do with being a Sith. But the the theory I'm about to share is that Jar Jar Binks was originally intended to be uh, Emperor Palpatine, in a sense. Palpatine's master, or, or Count Dooku, one of the two. Basically, he was intended to be the opposite of Yoda, where Yoda is this, like, random, annoying creature in Dagobah. Turns out, oh, he's, like, the key to Luke's training. Well, Luke, uh, George Lucas was known for really liking, obviously, the uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces, but also uh, the classic archetype of the the rabbit on the side of the road becomes, or the mythical creature on the side of the road becomes the key to the the situation or becomes the large plot point. Something what is brushed to the mm-hmm. side then becomes very important when given more attention. So, uh, this is the theory of Darth Darth Binks. Now, so, in that Darth, uh, Judger Binks was actually a Sith Lord for the first movie. Um, so, we see Jar Jar Binks uh, like nonchalantly executing like standing 20 foot twisting somersaults a few times in this movie, and <laughs> and we don't, and we only know Jedi to be able to do that. Uh, now you might be able to say, well, clearly Gungans are made to do that. They have strong legs because they're like aquatic. Well, no other Gungan did we see could do that, right? They all just swim as if they're human. They're aquatic, but they're not twenty foot twisting somersaults. Yeah, uh, another, doing like backflips yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> like when he jumps into the pond. If you might remember that scene specifically, when they first go to. Um, 
the city underwater in Naboo to meet Boss Nass. Uh, yes, and- he does like he jumps like thirty feet in the <laughs> yeah. air and does a double somersault. Yeah. <laughs> um, now another thing is in the, uh, in the pitch of battle, uh, we see Judge Binks do uh, Junkin Fist Wushu, almost shot for <laughs> shot. Um, from old stock footage of, uh, like old karate movies that George Lucas. It's, uh, yeah, it's Jackie Chan, uh, Drunken Master. It yeah. was like a shot for shot redo of, which is a great movie, by the way, like a 70s yeah. Jackie Chan movie where he's just a drunk kung fu master. <laughs> so we see him doing his leg sweeps shot for shot. We see Jar Jar doing, uh, the get up attack, to use a Super Smash Brothers term. Um, uh, where he's like attacking droids. We also see him there's a droid that like wolf uh like whimsically attached to his leg and he's able to like dive around and make the blaster shoot by when he's diving around. You also see him And he he doesn't miss a shot. No, exactly. Every he's single never, shot you know. lands. <laughs> Additionally, uh we see him juggling the uh those blasts, those like little EMP globes that the Gungans use when he's like hilariously bumbling around in the droid tank, he directly hits the captain of the vessel deactivating the tank and he like everything you see him do he accidentally does incredibly well now that's the joke right that's skeptics will say well that's the point he's an idiot and he's just accidentally like falling into uh perfection here but to be honest considering it's a shot for shot redo of uh, a trained master pretending to be drunk or that is actually drunk but that's the point i think it gives a lot of credence to that additionally and most damningly is this uh, last piece, uh, two last pieces of evidence. Uh, yeah, Jar-Jar, this is what sent me over. <laughs> this convinced me. Yeah, this convinced me as well, because uh, most of these, like, shitty BuzzFeed theories are just, like, uh, people throw them away and, you know, uh, they're not worth it. But th- this is the most convincing two pieces. Firstly, Jar Jar is seen many times uh, using offhanded comments trying to undermine the authority of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to an extent in, in the first movie. Uh, he's telling Annie, like, all oh, these guys are crazy, or he's sticking his tongue out in front of uh, uh, the Jedi Masters in front of Anakin in order to, like, try and undermine their authority. Uh, <laughs> the other large, largest piece is there's a scene in the Battle of Naboo uh, when they're in the city where droids are shooting at the people on the bridge. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan uh, jump down using their Jedi, you know, uh, dexterity, and... Um, get down and avoid the shots. Jar Jar is seen pretending to trip and fall and then, like, catch the ledge and then drop down. Uh, but when you look at how the droids are looking at him and how they're shooting, we actually see Jar Jar doing a spin, a twisting spin to the left side of the screen from the right. Uh, dexterity which only, you know, a Jedi could possess. Now, it's supposed to be like he's just accidentally doing this, as is the the way of uh, Mm -hmm. Jar Jar's intentionally comedic, comedic, (laughs) Sith-like yeah, yeah, like, it's he's supposed to be a drug fist, right? He's supposed to be surprising these Jedi and hiding in plain sight looking like an idiot. The point is is that when you see uh, you see him leave on the right and drop down to the left. People might say, oh, that was just an error in the animators or, like, the, the cinematographer. Well, you can actually see the battle droids trailing Jar Jar's spinning somersault left sidewards move with blaster fire, meaning they have to physically animate uh, Jar Jar's little combat trick uh, 
that costs money. They have to do that. Uh, so mm-hmm. Now, now the next piece is um, you see Jar Jar Binks um, doing mind control effects, Sith mind control effects on people. You see him in many key parts of the movie that are advantageous to him and his agenda, moving his mouth exactly to the speed and exactly exactly lipping what people are saying in the scene. For example, when Jar 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 is seen waving his hands and lip uh, lip syncing Boss Nass when he's promoted to Bombad General for the Battle of Naboo. Uh, if you go back and look at the scene, he's literally lipping what he's what's coming out of the boss's mouth. Also, when he's promoted to the Senate uh, soon after, you can also see him copying his uh, his lips move one to one ratio when he's promoted to the Senate. And lastly, you see him. Uh, uh, waving he's his with hand. the queen. Yes, when he's with the queen, exactly. Uh, and then uh, in the when they're in the wilds of Naboo, talking about going to war together, you can see him physically moving their mouths and affecting them with Jedi mind control. This costs money. This isn't something that the because uh, he's a CGI person. In order to move lips, you need to spend money and, and make the animators animate that. There's no reason the animators would have just randomly done that unless there was a reason. Um. And yeah, it's not like he's a real actor who's just like moving his lips around for the hell of it. Yeah, it's, or pretending it spe- to be like a yeah. gag, right? Like maybe he was trying to sneak an Easter egg in. This was intentional. Additionally, the script for episode two was originally called Jar Jar's Grand Adventure, which is kind of an interesting thing. Given how little Jar Jar actually appears in the second movie, it's interesting <laughs> that they like would choose that uh, to be the title unless there was supposed to be a grand reveal. Uh, additionally, once this uh, thing got posted to Reddit, the actor who played Jar Jar said, I'm so glad people have finally followed the breadcrumbs. Or, I'm so oh, glad. Oh, people- God. That, that is, to me, that's just like this dude who is, like, who played Jar Jar in the movies? Uh, some irrelevant actor? Yeah, some irrelevant actor. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this just sounds to me like he's just grasping it, like, like. A few no, more minutes of fame. The, f- uh, the fact, the fact, the, what set me over is the CGI. The fact that they spent money and animated they these spent things, money hand over fist, and and a lot of the choices they made were at the no. whim of George. Like I don't believe this for a second because so many of the choices that they made were at the whim of George Lucas. Like him, like when when Jar Jar walked like walks out of the pond and like slips on mud. That was like George Lucas was like, oh, he shouldn't really just walk out of the pond. Maybe he should like slip and fall right here. Like these are offhanded comments that he made that he made his animators do. So like. Like to to imagine that that George Lucas is a secret mastermind and was able to pigeonhole no, like this it's incredible not, like, not 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 a secret mastermind. I think George Lucas set it up. He had this idea. It was gonna be. It was gonna happen. And either a he got bored with it and decided not to do it, which is probably the most likely, or b they saw just how shitty Jar Jar was and how everyone serious. hated him, and they decided it's like, oh well, we can't go that that storyline anymore. People hate this character. I fully believe it. Pat. You should really watch. Like YouTube, it like dark, dark things. You, the it is so. <laughs> I have to now, and I'm gonna have to link it in the show notes because like, you guys are bastards. I, I don't want to be this guy. Like this evidence <laughs> has made me be the dark, dark things guy because it's it's true, and it's so damning the evidence that you just have to believe it. Like you you can't just like cognitive dissonance, like pretend it doesn't exist. 
Now it's an eight and a half minute clip, and I'm, it's probably going to be the yeah. song this week. Now, so. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. Um, now, all right, so close, closing thing on this because I, I know we're we're running late here is um he definitely isn't a Sith, but he I think he definitely it was supposed to be the grand reveal of the second or third movie that oh my god it was Jar Jar all along he's been pulling the strings and then just like Bioshock and the Woodley Would You Kindly scene. Like spoiler mm-hmm. alert for those of you who haven't played that game in fifteen years, um, <laughs> is you're supposed to be flabbergasted that you've been duped all this time, just like the Jedi, and it was going to be this great reveal. And to be honest, I almost wish they did do it, but um, I think Jerry's right, and I think I mentioned that when I uh, brought this up to Jerry, is that they just had to pull the plug. They people hated Jar Jar, and they weren't gonna mm-hmm. twist the knife. Oh, it's, it's interesting. I'm looking at all these uh, photoshopped images of Jar Jar as yeah. as Kylo Ren's head or yeah. under the Darth Vader mask yeah. or as the Emperor. Yep. <laughs> it's actually kind of hilarious. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. man. Darth Darth Binks, you heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, also, can we just give a, a quick shout out to uh, Darth Maul as having like – being like one of the most uh, – uh, like costume-wise – Visually interesting Sith Lords that we've seen and, like, just doesn't play a huge role in the movie, unfortunately. Now, if you watch like, the, the the TV series, uh, he's super he is important. Huge. He's huge. He is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's great in, in Rebels. I like him a lot in Rebels. He is my um, second yeah. favorite, third favorite character in all of Star Wars. Ooh, because, who's your favorite? That, this is interesting. Obi-Wan. Who's your favorite Obi-Wan character? Obi-Wan Kenobi. General, really? General Grievous and then Darth Maul. <laughs> who's your favorite character, Jerry? Um, I mean, 14 year old me would slap me for not saying Boba Fett because it's, it's probably gotta be Boba Fett. I, I have he... two Boba Fett tattoos. <laughs> I so know. Boba you're Fett. In good company. Boba Fett's just the best, but it's like, it feels cheap saying Boba Fett because Boba Fett's not like the best character. He's the coolest character. <laughs> exactly. Well, no in the extended universe, he's pretty fucking great, but continue. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick like a favorite, a favorite character, um, I think Poe Dameron comes real damn close. Poe Dameron uh, is really oh is a really God. cool yeah, character. I love Poe Dameron. Um, he comes real close, but I think I would have to say Yoda. Like I would say Yoda huh. has the biggest uh, very impact. Respe- on very me. respectable, definitely. Yeah, I I I think my favorite is 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 uh Boba Fett, and then I think my second is probably probably Rey. I really love her character. If we include EU, Darth Plagueis is like. Incredible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was actually going to ask you if you ever played like the uh if you played the uh what's it called? Like the the Knights of the Old Republic, yeah. the old RPGs. I, Those I are really good. I have strangely never played that series and I am like a, a Star Wars addict. It's just like this really? weird thing that I've never played. I, I think it's cuz it's like Star Wars like, but it's like so mm-hmm. unlike any other Star Wars. I just never like was Also I had a bad I didn't have many video games growing up. I had a lot of like mm-hmm. physical games. So like when those came out, I wasn't really couldn't play them, so I just kind of missed yeah. Them. I can't I can't recommend the, those two those two games enough to people who love Star Wars. There's there's so much built into that story. Oh, it's fucking great. Just so played so, the uh, the book is probably my favorite bit of uh, like fantasy sci fi novel out there. If mm-hmm. if I had to choose a favorite character from the extended universe, I would definitely have to say Admiral Thrawn. I mm. was real sad that Admiral Thrawn. I really thought he was going to be the focus of uh, this new trilogy. Yeah, I yeah. would love that. 
I love Admiral Thrawn. So, like, he's so good in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he is the military mastermind uh, of the Empire. And I think it's what mm-hmm. they wanted General Hux to be. And he just, he's, he, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm looking at like these old these old uh, this old RPG that I used to play. I want to play it again. So, so I good. actually ran a uh, Star Wars RPG with minis and stuff uh, weekly. The new system's really good. Oh really? I see. Yeah, I've never played. I've never played a, like a minis game before. I hand painted a bunch of minis and stuff. That's awesome. I, I've seen people like I have friends who do that stuff, and it's like blows me away their their ability to paint those figurines. I'm like, mine would be so bad. Yeah. So so bad. It's a practice thing, just like anything magic. Oh, I'm you sure. Know, skiing. Yeah. Uh, you can't practice. You can't practice away colorblind. That's yeah, true. <laughs> Jerry, I'm going to get you those glasses that grant people who are colorblind color vision again for Christmas for Christmas. I, I mean, yeah. they're like six grand. So yeah, I know. Yeah, man. Uh, I like you a lot, though. Guy, <laughs> <laughs> I got you a beta sinkhole cool last year, so I guess I get six <laughs> six grand of. Uh... <laughs> Eyewear. It would be a hey, great hey. Gift. I got I got you those uh those uh foil uh what was it the um oh what's that card that you love oh, you run on the sideboard Coslex return yeah Coslex return yeah, yeah. it's not a beta sinkhole but you know you got to do I know I, I don't know what to get you this year Pat <laughs> I don't know you can six thousand dollars so I can buy you those glasses okay <laughs> <laughs> I give awesome. you the six grand and then come Christmas so where are my glasses Pat uh, I got you this oh, razor man. instead oh man you should you should have seen this. so many hookers and blow <laughs> so what? many hookers and a ton of blow <laughs> um, alright awesome so man we went deep on that movie and we talked about a lot of other Star Wars movies that weren't The Last Jedi um, so I I think we can all come to an agreement that uh, the the Last Jedi was great and the Last uh, Jedi was great, good or the worst. Ro- and yeah, and great, good or the worst. It's either it's either in the top the top three, the middle three, or the bottom three movies of all the time. The fact <laughs> the fact that Marcus the fact that Marcus thinks uh, Revenge of the Sith is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made, I think, totally nullifies his opinion. It's, I, I, I've rewatched it recently. It really like uh, the scene in Mustafar is very like heart wrenching. It it does a, yeah. it does it's a so lot of great long. stuff. <laughs> yeah, and the CGI holds up too, which is surprising. Which I would does it? Yeah, it does. It's like, <laughs> which I I was surprised. <laughs> I was so surprised when I was like, oh wow, is that like, yeah. General Grievous is a bad droids. Well, cool. Speaking of like terrible quips, they're robots. Robots, you know who shouldn't have a sense of humor? Robots, robots shouldn't have a sense of humor because they're robots. Uh, disagree. It's a- they're AI. They're not hey, just robots. What, what about C three PO? The battle droid. Why, what purpose would it serve giving C- AI C-3PO to battle C three PO has been a quip master since the beginning. Th- those are unintentional quips. Like the battle droid is going, uh oh, not again. K two S O. Stupid little astro droid. If you listen, if you listen to the, if you listen to the the dialogue in Rogue One, K two S O is like a damaged a damaged droid. That's probably why he has personality quirks. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense for all these battle. Like, why would you program battle droids to have a why sense you, of humor? Yeah, why would you program your tank? To oh, be I see sassy? what you're saying. Are oh, you saying for the prequels? I see. What you're saying. Yeah, well, specifically yeah. battle droids. Well, they they actually said that they're in the Clone Wars. There's like a bit where they go. Oh, those were old models. We're now free-thinking droids. Roger, 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 Roger. And they all agree with each other. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, why would you do that? Yeah, well, I don't know why you would do that either. But <laughs> Yeah. 
I mean, why would like you terrible the decision. second Death Star? You know, or, or Death Star in the first place? You know, like when uh, because you because every every like uh, major like uh, fascist movement has to have its atomic bomb. And you can't if you can't make it like if you don't have yeah. an actual. Atom- you know what? You know what? what goes an atomic bomb it's, against the galaxy? It's the Dragon, you know it's the Dragon Ball Z good effect. At killing planets, many atomic bombs instead of a, <laughs> you know a hex trillion dollar base that you can easily blow up. <laughs> well, no, so, so it's not it's, supposed it's, to be easily blown up, though. Have you watched Rogue One? <laughs> it's the it's the Dragon Ball Z program. When you keep making your character do unbelievable things every season, you need to top it. It's yep. the same thing with Star Wars. They made a Death Star, then they made a bigger Death Star, then they made an even bigger Death Star. It's like <laughs> they they've already gone they've already gone as far as you can go. There's nowhere else to go other than just doing a bigger version of what they did before. Well, like I, if they ever do it again, they're gonna have to do like the Death Sun. We turned the sun into the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we went deep this week on non-magic, so that was fun. <laughs> I, we said it. This is our cheat episode. This was yeah. our end of the year. And, and our next episode. And so this, about yeah, this episode is going to post this Friday. And our next episode is going to be story time with Gavin, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I really liked you... that last time. That was a great episode. Yeah, Gavin. Gavin's great. So people who are upset that we didn't really do a lot of magic this week, I hope you stuck around and enjoyed it. And if not, we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, too. Um, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas, like a, a an awesome Christmas if you, if you celebrate the holiday. If not, I hope you have a good couple days off because I'm sure a lot of people get the day off from work regardless. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, yeah. to spending time with my family. It's going to be Christmas for this episode. That's right. That's what I just said. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and Pat, I think now is a, as good a time as ever since, I mean, we did it one last time with Gavin, but, uh, I've, I've yielded folks. I've put up the good fight. <laughs> I've, I've fought for the, its existence, but I have been overwhelmed. I, I, unfortunately, like, so here's the thing. And I know I bitch and moan about the song game every week and truly it's, it's really just f- like for the most part friendly ribbing, although a little bit of it's based in reality. Um, <laughs> it's just become increasingly difficult. So like what I would normally do, and this is just to kind of give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes, I would go to YouTube and find the song that we want. I'd have to find a version that was like, you know, played all the way through, didn't have something some, like some, some songs every time someone says something, like they increase the bass by 5%. And like, so they do, <laughs> some people do weird things with songs. I had to make sure that it played all the way through and it was audible. Then I would go to, I would Google a website to, to transfer, you know, YouTube links to create them into MP3s. And then um, a couple times the sites would just get shut down. So I'd have to find a new one regardless. Um, and then YouTube has been doing a lot more work in like, um, encrypting their pages or not allowing third parties to create them and turn them into mp3s and so week after week i was trying to like go through multiple songs that fit the that were that were the song we needed that also were high enough quality to put on the podcast and then that i could also find a website to change them into an mp3 and it just became like a slog like what used to be like a five minute ordeal ended up becoming like 30 plus minutes and it was just not like when when episodes like this go two hours and I'm editing for like two to three hours and then spending an additional you know twenty percent of the time like trying to get a, a song in the end was just it was a little bit uh, unsustainable for me so we're sadly going to have to retire the song game however the, however I what go ahead Jerry I was gonna say I have good news because I have an idea Pat oh oh I, I also have an idea so we're gonna do we're gonna do this live Jerry tell me what we're your idea is. all right my lo- my idea is. Instead of the song game with the dice, 
We're going to do the joke game where we're going to have people. Uh, I'm going to start a thread on the Facebook group and people are going to submit their jokes. And at the end of each episode, we're going to roll a die and whatever joke it ends up on. We're going to tell that joke at the end of the, uh, the episode. <laughs> okay. I like that better than mine. Cause that, that's like a succinct ending to an episode. I like that. <laughs> that way there's no finding it. We just, we just read it. We read the joke and hopefully we get a, a good laugh out of it. <laughs> I like that. that. That's fine. That'll work great. <laughs> so when this episode comes out, I will throw a new thread up there because, oh, we got the Hascon announcement, don't we, Pat? Uh, we do. So I think we're going to do the uh, we'll do the giveaway next week at the end of the Gavin yes. episode just so that we but we have a ton of submissions of joke of, of jokes, you, uh, you know, captions you guys have come up with the Hascon for the Hascon uh, game um, or the Hascon promo uh, raffle, uh, whatever. The, the, what we're doing, the giveaway, sorry. Um, we've had a ton of submissions, so keep submitting them, guys. Every, remember, one per person, please, but there are some really fucking, there's some really funny ones in we're there. We're going to so. have a lot of runner-ups. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of runner-ups. We'll have some special prizes for the runner-ups. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely give out a bunch DVD of DVD copies um, of Rogue One. <laughs> can't can't give that shit away. Do you mean coasters, Marcus? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I have never bought a DVD in my life. Except for Rogue One. But I guess everyone needs a coaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably showing my age there a little bit too. I've never used a payphone as well, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, young man. He's a young man. Young man. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I guess there's no song this week. I'll probably play us out with uh we'll use uh well, Our does Marcus Johnny's. have a joke for I, us? Can Marcus fill in? <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, if we have a good joke, Marcus, please. We, no, no, you know, sorry to put you on the spot. Well, actually, oh, okay. Before I, we get out of here, I have, a, good, we do I have a very good joke. So, okay, good. All right. So, hold on to it for one second before we do the joke. Uh, Marcus, do you have like social media presence? Can people find you on Twitter yeah, I, or are you on the I, Facebook page? I don't have a Twitter. If I did have a Twitter, it would be at Rothnotseer, but I don't. So uh, <laughs> that's not. So don't follow me because I'm not oh. on Twitter. But <laughs> making a joke account. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook, Marcus Roth. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's where you can find me. I'd love to talk magic. Awesome. I'm also generally haunting next gen comics or, uh, yeah, Damien, awesome. et cetera. Uh, various uh, Star Wars fan pages. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really dislike arguing on the internet. It's one of my core tenets of my life because um, I think it's wasteful. Uh, it's a smart. That's a smart way to be. Yeah. So. You won't find me on Star Wars fan pages, but you will. You can always talk to me, and I will. I will argue you to death for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. And you can find Jerry at J M E E three R D on Twitter. I'm at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo. You can search for Leaving a Legacy on Facebook. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. And uh, you can email us if you want to submit a caption for the for the contest, leavingalegacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. Uh, Marcus, I heard you got a joke for us, man. Oh, wait, we forgot scoops. Scoops? <laughs> scoops? <laughs> I am all out of, I'm all out of place here. Uh, Jerry, who are you scooping in this week, man? Uh, I'm scooping in Ryan Johnson for making one of the best Star Wars movies in decades. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scoop, uh, I'm gonna scoop Marcus in for uh, coming on and sharing his completely wrong and egregious opinions. <laughs> I, I, I bet uh, I'm gonna get like hate mail because of this. this episode. Yeah. If, if anyone else, Marcus's favorite book is uh, Anne Rand's uh, Fountainhead. It's, not my fa- it's certainly not my favorite book, but it, 
<laughs> Marcus seriously enjoys and praises the uh, political ideas exposed in Fountainhead. <laughs> now, I, Ayn Rand's uh, has some reasonable stuff, but uh, <laughs> but I wouldn't say Jeez. I wouldn't say I'm that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, devoted to her. He has an Ayn Rand tattoo. That's what it is. (laughs) No, he has a Paul Ryan tattoo. No. No, he's too much of a socialist for my liking. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, boy. Keep that in Uh, mind, people, when you're deciding whose arguments to take. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on, Marcus. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, So, my scoops uh, would be... Yeah. Uh, I have you guys. Thank you very much. I've been listening to this cast for two years, and I've just uh, really appreciated everything. It really what got me into Legacy, actually. So, uh, and now I'm here. So this is really awesome. Um, I guess while I'm at it, I'll scoop in David Freeman, known anarcho-capitalist, uh, which I do fully agree with a lot of his material. <laughs> 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 Although he's, I think Jeez. he died in the late '90s. Um, and, uh, oh, I'll scoop in the house. I just, uh, Team Saddleback with Humans. Uh, we were at GP New Jersey, and uh, it was a super fun time. Uh, all 12 of you guys, uh, just quick people off the top, Patrick Brady, Kevin Delgrati, uh, Ian Barber, Tim Fay, a bunch of you other guys. Uh, that's just the people off the top of my head. Scoop those guys in. Super fun time. Hang with them. Nice. Uh, you also had a dream crush, I believe. Oh yeah, I'm dream crushing that guy who had the absolute nuts on me uh, in round two of that side event. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Drowsy a player. <laughs> yeah, quite the sack. Um, <laughs> that's it. So <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, I'm gonna scoop you in, Marcus. Thanks so much for coming on, man. It was great to talk to you. Uh, nice I'm to also you. gonna scoop in just the the Star Wars universe in general because it's giving me so much joy, uh, both as a fan and as a parent. Uh, being able to show my kids these movies that I grew up on and being able to go to the movie theater and see new Star Wars movies has been such a great experience that I just can't I can't express how much I appreciate that. And also, like, uh, we'll probably have you back on, Marcus, around this time next year when uh. The young oh, Han Solo movie releases. I right? would love that if you if I want I can be your pundit for Star Wars related. <laughs> um, yeah, you're just gonna have to get some better opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we all, all right, don't shop at the dollar store, chair. <laughs> all right, Marcus, let's hear this joke. Uh, all right, it's a little long, so it'll go with the theme of this uh, this long ass <laughs> podcast. Uh, all right, so there are two men hunting in the woods. Uh, and then they stumble upon an enormous hole in the middle of the woods, and it goes down very deep. And they're and they're like, "Oh my god, this this thing is huge! It's in the middle of nowhere. I wonder how deep it goes." So they they get a rock and they they throw it down and they try and hear it hit the bottom of the uh, of the the big hole. And so they they throw it down and they hear nothing. They don't hear any uh, they don't hear any bang. So they're like, "Holy crap! This is a deep hole." So they, they then look and they see a burnt, they see a barn and they see an anvil on the barn, in the barn. So they, they wrestle it over and they, and they throw it down the hole. And again, they hear, but they hear no thud. They look to each other and they go, wow, this hole is so deep. That anvil was so heavy and we didn't hear it hit the bottom. And so they're just about to leave. And then all of a sudden, they hear 
uh, and it's a goat charging right at them. And so they just jump out of the way, and the, the goat jumps into the hole. And they just, they're flabbergasted. They dust themselves off. They jump out of the way. And they're like, did, did, that, did that goat just, just kill itself? Did it just jump down the hole? I, I don't understand. And so they get up. They get their rifles. And they, they go down the road a little while. And they hear, Misty, Misty. And sure enough, on the next hill, there's, there's an old farmer. And the farmer goes, oh, boys, you two young men, have you seen my goat? And they go, uh, sir, you're not going to believe this, but uh, we just saw a goat, and it ran and jumped into the giant hole. And, and then the farmer goes, no, boys, you see, that's impossible. I had him chained to an anvil. LAUGHTER <laughs>